Josh Williams here, and welcome to another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast, everybody brought to you by Absolute Comedy. My guest today is world-traveling comedian, uh, great friend, and uh, he was on the Nasty Show just for laughs, but he's here with us today. Thank you, Matt Davis, for joining us. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, it just wakes up on the side. I like how I like how every, every podcast, the, the people do the ramp up of the voice, the, it's Josh. Yeah, exactly. I, I have like no that. formal training, but... I haven't figured out anything else to do with it. And now it's almost like that's just what to expect at the beginning. Uh, I I don't. Yeah. It's like the Bob Barker thing at the beginning of Price is Right. right? Here's Bob or he's long gone. But I I refuse to watch Drew Carey. Why? I don't know. I've always found him annoying. Didn't like. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know him personally. I found what I have seen, what I have consumed from him. I find it annoying. I've only met him once. He was very, very nice. May very well be. Very, very nice. That's I funny. don't know him. I, I met him one time. He was very nice. Uh, I do know an odd factoid about him. Okay. Um, that uh, the guys he was working with that were opening for him, and keep in mind this is well after all his shows, right? right. So he's done well. Yeah, He's yeah, done yeah. well. Um, he was paying all those guys uh, a per show rate that they would have gotten if they were headlining. Oh, but wow. he was paying them that to do 10 minutes. Well, that's nice of him. Yeah. Did you ever open for him? No. What an asshole. No, seriously. <laughs> I'm all very sad about it. Well, I'm glad you're here, dude. I uh, I only ever have... Uh, I have to tell my audience right off the bat that I... Matt's one of my favorite people in the world to spend time with and have conversations with. Love watching it. Uh, yeah, and he's super fucking annoying, just like me. Uh, <laughs> you're doing what I would do in your shoes. But uh, yeah, Matt has performed all over the world. I uh, I first saw you here at Absolute Comedy when you used to show up with your three-piece suits. Yeah. Very, very dapper dresser because... Because the things that were coming out of your mouth were the most foul, dark, but funny. I have, I have in my years of seeing comics try dark humor because a lot of guys will try stuff that's, you know, jokes about, you know, rape and, and, you know, horrible things. And it's not funny. They're not funny jokes. And all these guys are like, ah, oh, people don't just, they just don't like that stuff. I was like, no, no, you can, you can write good. Like the amount of times I've had to quote your material to show someone what a funny, dark joke sounds like. Well, it's, I think if the emphasis is put on the wrong part, right? right. There has to be something. The funny part has to be what's being the, the subtext, right? It has to be what's being said underneath or what's being done in the moment, right? right. So the, the, if it's something, something shocking sound, right? If that's the formula, yeah. then you've already lost. Right. There's so, nothing clever or creative in it. Even if, even if there is, if, it's, if I need you to react to the shocking part and not to letting, using that to get something else underneath, then it's kind of a losing game. Right. right. And that accent you guys are hearing, Matt is from the South. There's no accent. I don't have an accent. <laughs> K Trev did a bit about me last night. <clears throat> about, did he? Yeah. About um, how I did a bit about not having a Southern accent. And he would watch me do that and be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I brought him with me to Myrtle Beach one time and he saw people there talking and he was like, oh, I'm like, yeah, wow. I don't know what the hell they're saying. Yeah. yeah. You told me the same thing too. It's uh, some girl put put some guy on the phone because she couldn't understand what he yeah, was saying. Yeah, my ex. Yeah, my ex uh, in the Memphis airport asked an old guy where the, like the smoking lounge was or whatever. 
and then she called me and goes, I don't know what this guy's saying. <laughs> Could you, do you remember what it was that he said? Oh yeah. He was telling her like we're the, the, the Delta blues cafe or something, you know, you just go down here and make a left hand turn. Delta blue cafe over down the right. And she's like, I don't know what <laughs> is happening. Well, I told her she might have to buy Coke or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's talking to me, like having a full con. We had the five minute conversation hands the back, the phone back. I'm like, it's up on the right. <laughs> And she's like, is that all he said? I'm like, he said some other things too, but we'll, we'll talk about that when you get here, when, you, when you're not within range of slapping him because <laughs> he's so 85 and a little loose, you know, with his thoughts. Oh, we both awesome. just drank coffee at the same time, which caused a, a pause. It's called bad air. Well, bad they can air. Fucking they call wait, that, they're not paying for it. They call that bad air in radio. Do they? Well, this isn't radio. It's a podcast. This is radio. Is it? Yep. It is now. Okay. We made it radio. You just knighted me in terms I, of radio. I don't, know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's radio now. Um, well, so how you're, did you're, you get started in comedy, Josh? Did I? How did I get started in comedy? I, I like whenever I, I, I go on I'm someone's still... whenever I go on someone's podcast, I like to reverse the roles. Did you? Well, that's going to make for a bad podcast. They've already heard it. They know my story. Oh, dear. yeah. Yeah, I'm very narcissistic. I tell them about myself. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you relate it all? I back just bring to guests you? on, yeah, so that I can ask them, so that I can turn around. I, I pull like the that. old. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. Sorry, I, I, like had to, the, I had to. I had to quote and mouth of someone's name. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't throw them under the bus here. But we all. We all know uh, certain people in comedy who will ask you a question just so they can tell you their answer to it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Maddie's. Uh, I mean, dude, you've. I, I've seen you since I first started. Uh, you've been. You were fucking hilarious. You know that. Matt is also one of the weirdest. Here's, here's the problem with that statement to me, though. Like when I'm on stage, mm-hmm. I'm being serious. <laughs> And the the audience will laugh. And I know that that's what allows me to keep doing it so I don't address it. I don't feel like I can address it. But I'm, I'm very serious on stage. And quite frankly, I don't know what's wrong with you people. I don't know why everyone thinks these are such hilarious things. I'm trying to have a very serious dialogue. Like when you're like, let's go to McDonald's playground and smell the seats. <laughs> right. Why, do, why isn't that a thing that people, you know... <laughs> Right, maybe that's a bad example oh, to use. But. Oh, Matt's Matt's a funny guy. You like again? There's, I mean, I don't want to just keep bringing up stuff you've told in the past because we'll have. You're also. I got to give you credit. Like I've had some of the most intelligent, intellectual conversations that I've had with comics too. Like as much as oh, it's goofy and silly. Like you're a very well-read person. Well, you're, you need you need better friends. I guess so. I think that's the problem. I guess so. I had the first intelligent conversation with Jason uh, last weekend at a barbecue, <laughs> and it's only been ten years. <laughs> <laughs> Matt knows Jason very well too. We basically, to to spend time with Jason amicably, you got to either be playing ping pong, darts, or golf, or and pinball. That's, that's what I said. Oh, did I say ping pong? You said ping pong. Whatever. That's. I think it's above his. Oh, really? <laughs> it's outside of his level. Yeah, it's too much of a conversation back and forth. Jay's like, no, no. I'll take a turn, then you take a turn. We don't cooperate with people. It's not a. I don't want you included in my direct results, but. uh yeah, I, I enjoy having uh, good conversations. You're a well-read dude. You know a lot. It's probably, I used to tell people, right now we're back to me. I used to tell people all the time, like when they're like, oh, if they'd have a good conversation with me where it was something actually intellectual or or whatnot, they'd be like, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, you you knew a lot, whatever. I'm like, I think that's why I'm funny is I think that you, the more you learn and the more you're like, this world is fucked up, that the funny is like the exhaust fumes of just processing all this craziness. Sometimes, yeah. That. But I mean, like from a creative standpoint, right? We in the same way that you learn things, like we like the brain, right? We learn things by reference, right? And we also formulate ideas 
by pulling off reference. Well, the, the greater the, the 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 pool of references you have to draw from, right. right? The more comparisons you can make, the more analogies you can make, then the, creatively, the more, you know, theoretically, right? Yeah. The more you can do creatively with that. I know there's noise happening. Who's coming down the stairs? I don't know. They just turned the corner. And they Welcome to, to One Man went. Podcast Studios, a.k.a. our dining room at the house. And they, and they just went back up the stairs. And it's... Uh, You've you've seen over over the years how many people have come and gone from this house. Does this not seem like an orphanage for like fucking misfit? I assumed it was honestly. I I thought this was like like a like a a scam that he had running with the Canadian government. Yeah, it's just like like, it's a foster home, but he still charges rent. Yeah, (laughs) it's subsidized, but he doesn't tell us. Yeah, (laughs) I always assume that's why Jay always wants to do our taxes. He needs our social security. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. (laughs) He can't. You guys can't report income. It throws off his whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the only time they ever, he makes sure that Simon's the only one here every time they come over. Yeah, they could meet the prime. Wow. Yeah, yeah the prime. you are doing the Lord's work, sir. <laughs> That's not fair. That's not fair. If they can uh, see the look on your face. Uh, so I, I asked this, of course, of all my guests is, is what were you doing prior uh-oh. to stand up and how did you get into stand up comedy? I got into to stand up. Uh, it would have been late 90s. And um, I got mid late nineties, mid nineties, uh, and I got on uh, the inter the World Wide Web, right? And Google the Google the old Google homepage of the World Wide Web, and uh, I hit that I'm feeling lucky button, and now I'm here. I, no I can't get out. Fucking- <laughs> I can't get out. I can't get out. Uh, I spent nine years as the second wife to a Colombian drug lord, uh, some <laughs> sort of a weird suicide cult, and then somehow. That became. So you can this. tell you're not full of yourself because you knew you were the second wife. Yeah, and it was the second no, wife. Yeah, second of importance. The second wife of a drug lord. No, uh, <laughs> I was 17. I was like 17. So I mean, I was you know, it's the combination of ignorance and arrogance, right? Um, I wanted to do it, so I did it. Somebody called my bluff on it when they told me to basically shut up or do it. Really? And I, so I did. And then were you it was added all downhill from there? So how the fuck did that happen? You're having a conversation with someone? you were on a show heckling, and someone's like, no, "No, no, 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 no." Just like friends of mine, friends of mine. Um, I uh, um, I talked about wanting to do it, and you know, I watched stand up and all that stuff. In, you know, high school, and at that point, I would I would have been out of high school because I left sophomore year and went to a college thing. Um, I wasn't a real big fan of high school. No, neither was I. But I also, yeah, you know, but I was injured. Like I broke my back in high school. You so broke like, your back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like to skip over like things. People are like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, that happened." <laughs> anyway, so and then I jumped. Uh, yeah, no, I broke. How do you uh, break your back? Well, how do you not? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Out there running around like lunatics that we were. The emotionally uh, we break our backs. Emotionally every day. I have to work five days a week. Yeah, I broke my back from carrying this conversation. <laughs> no, uh, that's an old. That's an old vaudeville line. Um, I broke my back playing soccer. Actually, for real? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that's like the you, reaction I get most of the time. People are like, "What you committed, did you do you basically wrong?" Basically, were the pioneer of diving. No, I first into the ground when some guy flicked my ear. Yeah, no, I yeah, it was <laughs> you know somebody tried to scissor me and they didn't lock my knee up and I flipped and landed on my shoulder blades and then uh, I mean don't get me wrong I was like red card king you know I was yeah, a dick yeah. so I probably deserved whatever move was coming to me. I think karma technically probably broke my back, um, and I had a uh, I forget what it's called spondylolisthesis so like the um, the wings that make the facet between L3 and L4 shattered, right? I see your eyes are crossed. My eyes just go like the facet, but I'm like, well, wow, okay. Well, you know, the, the vertebrae, the vertebrae are stacked, right, right, in your back, and then you have like the little wings up the side that make the joint, right? So that's oh, a okay. facet. That's a is facet. That what is that called? 
uh, and then the the wings, it's either L3 or L4, they basically exploded. They're gone. They're just, they're not there anymore. And then that causes the vertebrae above to move, right? And it scrapes back and forth the other one. It wears the disc out in between, and then it causes uh, micro fractures, and then the the bones try to heal themselves with bone spurs, and you break those every time you move. <laughs> so you get like the nausea. So you basically had like, what is you it get called? The, bunions in your back. I think that's probably accurate. Uh, um, but like the nausea you would get if you broke your arm, like I just got that constantly because of still no, not anymore. Oh, okay, okay, not anymore. Uh, I didn't have it fused though. I didn't like no because you lose so much movement from my yeah. my grandfather had his back fused, like could it's barely fucked, move anything. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's a it's a it's a uh, a fucked prospect. But right. you're stiff like an accountant all the fucking time, just straight fucking posture yeah. always. So uh, that's why I'm all like hunched up. I'm slowly being like sucked into the ground. I think you know what I mean. It's it's just like pulling me back to the the soil. Um, the uh yeah so i went through that it was a whole nightmare um and then uh that's where my lack of respect for like public schools i think comes from you know because i dealt with the administration end of that where i'm having to do stuff at home and then the, like the state in the u.s you know they send your homeschool teacher right and they're supposed to help you through the, the classes because i couldn't sit like in a desk and all that have braces and all this bullshit so uh then this lady comes and she's trained to teach like, you know, pre-kindergarten. And so she can't do like the math I'm doing or whatever, which is just high school math. It's not like I was, you know, in some physics, advanced physics thing or something. Yeah. It's just she's math. She's trying to teach you bed math. And, and she's like, like I don't know how to do this. So I had to read the book myself and then basically do all the work. Right. And then she got fired because she was she kept telling me about her migraines. And she's asking a 15 year old basically for pain meds, you know, and I was like. A nice introduction to like, oh, okay, adults are shitty. Got it. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, got into arguments with the school about not having work done that I that was agreed upon. And Jesus. then, you know, basically realized that no one here knows what the hell they're doing. Um, it was very, uh, uh, um, what's the book? Uh, the Emperor by um, Reisard, is it Kapusinski? Wrote The Emperor. It's about the fall of Hale Selassie. I'm glad you're Hale, asking me. I feel... Well, Holly saw the emperor of Ethiopia, like, so, like, so, like, the end of his reign, like, everyone's running around the palace, like, freaked out, you know? Right. But they're all acting like it's not happening as, as people are being kidnapped. You know, it's like a Mel Brooks movie, dude. It's insane. Yeah. And they're like, well, we're, they're debating on curtain changes for banquets that are never going to happen because everyone's being assassinated out back, right? And everyone's just kind of like, this is all we know to do. And this thing that's changing it makes us just focus on what, and that's what it was. So, like, I would go, uh, and, you know, I'm ch I'm trying to 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 set the time of when I'm going to come in to do like the midterm or whatever, and they just could not process like who are you? Like we've met. Like I don't understand how you know I've been in this class yeah. for a year. Well, what well, I mean, we can't change this. You haven't done any of the in class assignments. You signed off on that eight months ago. <laughs> that I was, so I was sending them into someone, and they were signing off on it, right? And then full on arguments would break out. Um, and so I left, I left and, and, and in the, the transition, the state of Alabama, uh, would not let you drop out of high school and go to college. You couldn't do that seamlessly. Um, so if you dropped out before you were 18 or something, then you had to wait till 19 to enroll. Okay. Right? And I'm not really sure why. Also, unless you were married, which is a baffling to me. Like, you could drop out at, like, 17, get married, and then it was like, oh, cool, you're married. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Clearly, you know enough. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So, um, 
I had to get letters from like the state, whatever board and something else to be able to go. And that school wouldn't give them to me because we'd gone rounds. Right. Uh, so my father enrolled me in a Christian school and we made a deal that I would come in and take the state aptitude test, right. which is, you know, the, the test that they use that goes with their funding basically as a ringer to throw their scores off. <laughs> <laughs> I would come in and take that test. And in exchange for that, this dude would write whatever. So he wrote the second letter that we needed. Uh, I went in for three days to that school. I just took Scantron tests and walked out. Yeah. And that was it. Uh, and then enrolled in a junior college so I could have transcripts. And then did a semester at junior college and then went to University of Alabama at like 18 years old, now, 17 years old. D you did start stand up when you were 17. I was 17. So when you're, I started, you're yeah. doing all this while being a comic somewhere in there. I started. So in that process somewhere is when I started doing like open mics and stuff. And so what do you remember your first time on stage? Vaguely. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'd say to me, it's like, I, I could see, I can't remember like, you know, everything after the first, like one or two times. I remember like the first, it, it, and it was one of those in my brain. It went well. Right. The second time did not. The second time went awful. Um, the first time has to go well because I think if if it doesn't, then you just you, no, you I know go some, like two I or know, three times bad. And you're like, oh, I'm just not doing this. I know some guys that like the first time was abysmal, but really? then, but then it became a challenge to them. Well, and the first good. time for me, I you know, uh, it went well. But I mean, I'm I'm sure if I looked back on whatever it was I said, it was awful, right? You know what I mean? Like I'm sure I would hate it. Oh now. yeah, I but, have mine on on video on the computer. And I oh can't my. I cannot watch it. Cannot watch it. A minute, and I'm like, this is the worst. How did I ever get? What made this? you record the first time? I just think that the fact that that so many people, because I, I mean, I've told this story to my listeners, but um, in terms of why I recorded it, I think it was just there were so many people that wanted to see it because, like, I'm I started 25 or so, right. yeah, like 25 years old, so I felt late. But there's so many people who started even later than that. Um, it's not late. It's a weird thing, though. I mean, in that have people bring it up, you know, in in conversations and interviews before and they're like well you started really young and you know whatever and there's i know a bunch of guys that started around that age as well um and the the issue of course is that you're not a person so like right you, yeah the mechanics maybe you learn but you, you don't have anything to talk about i mean you're 17 right. years old I mean, yeah it, it, i don't give a shit what your life experience has been up until that point like yeah. unless you were a child soldier like literally <laughs> like in the congo at seven you yeah. have nothing to talk about to a room full of adults. Right. So it's silly and it's dumb and it's whatever it is. Uh, I mean, honestly, most stand-up, and I'm not even 40, but I would say most stand-ups don't really hit their stride where I find them interesting until they're in their 40s. Right. And I would, you know, I mean, you'd list it off whether it whether you want to go with an angle of like a Bill Burr. I mean, Hicks is an obvious exception. Right. But, you know, Burr, Pryor, Carlin. Uh, and even, you know, people currently, uh, uh, Madigan, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. you can just go, they're all 40s up. And I think there's a life experience thing that has to kind of converge with. Well, you start connecting with the people who are essentially coming to the shows, too. Well, there's that. But I think also to have the confidence to have a point of view and to be able to say you have to have lived X amount. Yeah. Because right? you can be like, oh, this happened to me once. And as a young person, you're like, uh, is that even something that everyone's had or is that just me? Whereas you start to live life and you're just like, yeah, this is life. And yeah, I can talk about this confidently. Yeah. There's, I mean, there, there's a shitload of different things to that. And that was one of the things that I was grateful starting stand up late 
is because I had worked so many different jobs and I'd done so many different things. Like I, by that time I had my electrical license, I'd worked for a corporate sales job for like one of the biggest telecom companies in the country, uh, kitchens, fucking regular. I, I started working when I was like 10, like I had paper routes and stuff like that and was doing a dishwasher because I had friends of the family that owned restaurants. So I was like, I was working every day after school and I even dropped out of high school to work. So I'd worked at the hotels at the Westin. I'd worked there when I was 18. Like I, I spent a lot of time working a lot of different jobs. So I I'm grateful for that experience. Cause if I'd been fucking around doing open mics, like my mom was one of the first people who was like, you, you should be a stand up comedian. And I'm like, I'm not even 10. And my mom's like, you're so funny. So that's the thing is like, all the people in my life, friends, family members, I was the last one to think I should be a comic, not like the first, you know? So I think that's why it was recorded the first time is that there were so many people who wanted to be there that couldn't be that it was just recorded for them. Right. And now I can't stand to show anyone. I think I showed when I was dating Crystal, I showed her the first like three, four minutes and I had to turn it off, which is weird. I should have just walked into the room and let her watch it. But I was like, I can't, I gotta turn this off. This is horrible. We were right when we were first sort of dating. I'm like, yeah, you can't <laughs> looking at it now. I'm like, maybe that's funny to you. I can't, I can't bear to watch it. That's fucking off. Can I have a copy of it? Sure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Which is probably the least creepy thing that you've ever asked for. Oh, come on now. I'm kidding. In terms of, I love your stories though. We were walking to someone's house, see a picture of the kids. But like, can I have this? Can I have a copy of this? Can I have a copy? <laughs> well, because people always want to show you pictures of their kids, and I don't care, right. right? And it's exhausting. So I just start asking for copies, and then it puts a stop to it. <laughs> like, don't you show me your kids. I think it gets around. People are like, don't show them pictures of your kids. They'll ask for one. And they're like, what? <laughs> and then you don't, then you do don't even have to meet them. That's yeah. even fucking it's better. amazing. What a magical thing. I'm going to start doing that. I thought it was just funny and weird. And that's, I didn't realize it was so practical. I told you, I'm not doing jokes. These are all very seriously calculated things. And uh, I don't know why the audience is laughing. It's exhausting. Uh, the, uh, how long after you started, like when you first started, was it was it long or short before you started getting like the the paid work or whatever? Because some guys it's crazy long time and it's grinding grinding, and then some of them just right out of the gate it seems. Yeah, my, no, mine wasn't that long. Um, it's a different time, you know, right as well. Um, so late by late night, so probably a within a year of open mics, I was doing hosting stuff. That's good. Which in the states, of course, is you know ridiculously the entry, you know, which doesn't make any sense from right. a show standpoint. Um, Doing guest spots and hosting stuff. And then by the time I was 18, 19, I was the house MC of the club where I started. So I was there, you know, five, six nights a week. Wow. Um, doing a lot of sets. And then by the time I was, and around that time too, I would go out and I was doing stuff at other, you know, cities nearby. You know, you start building the circle, the ever, right? you know, the, uh, the, the Roman, the Roman tour, as they say, yeah. the origin of the word, the circle. <laughs> um, so I was going out and doing that, Memphis, Atlanta, Nashville, all those cities. And then that would just got wider and wider and wider. And then by the time I was, you know, 21, I was headlining some places and done some funny bones, stuff like that. And then by the time I was 22, we were doing like a three-month stint in Vegas. Uh, nice. Then, you know, so through my 20s, it was more the expanding of, you know, geography-wise. Right. I did a lot of country shit growing up. I missed out on things, though. Like, I'd never gone to a gun show. I know, you would think, rural Alabama, right? Public school system, third grade field trip. Must have been sick. <laughs> but I went last year, right? I don't know why. I want to see what it's about, you know. But I'm not dumb. Like, I know the level of redneckery that takes place at a gun show, right? I don't know if redneckery is a word, but you know what the fuck I meant when I said it. Bearded people, missing teeth, shoes optional. I was prepared for that. Getting hitting home up there. 
What I was not prepared for, though, is the hardcore, creepy neo-Nazi contingent that apparently hangs out at the gun show that nobody fucking warned me about. Yeah, you're laughing. Fuck you for not telling me. I'm a small, bald, white man. A Nazi sees me, they get excited. They're like, ooh, customer. And I'm like, no. Like, I am not bald the same way you were bald, sir. I am bald because of a high level of testosterone. You were bald because of a low level of reading. If you don't giggle at that, you're probably a Nazi. That's the way I see it. <laughs> People tell me, like, I would like you to read to me when I go to sleep. Really? <laughs> the way I talk. <laughs> you have a very soothing voice. I'm like, do I? Do I have a soothing voice? It's it the, makes uh, me want to scream. It's the Southern that. accent, too. I mean, yours isn't thick. Yours isn't thick. Can you, can you do just, yeah, just English? Can. Yeah. Can I do just what? Just English? What do you mean? This is English. This I mean, American? English. Can you speak American? <laughs> and do you want like a more of a I'm Southern just, accent? No. no, I know you have that. I've been talking about, about it. We do like the whole full boom hour from, from what? King of the Hill. Those weren't words, man. Right? Well, I just, they never are. At least they are the, words. The rest of That's the thing. They are words. Are they're, they? They're saying something. You just have to like pay attention and decode it. You basically, it's like somebody just typed without hitting a space bar and you right. go in and, and put the space. It's that, the but then it's also, it's lumped in with, you know, whatever metaphor or analogy. Yeah. Right. We have it's, our it's never, it's never direct. That's the other thing. It's always an indirect statement. Yeah. Like as a dude in a, a bar in um, Birmingham the other week when I was there and he walks over to a group of people where I'm sitting with and he just walks over and points at my buddy's shoes and he's like, what kind of shoes you got there, man? What, let me see them shoes. Man, you, what is it, man, them running shoes? Man, you can't get in any shit with that. He's like, look at these work boots. I got these work boots on. Look how high up they go. Yeah, I can get in some deep shit. You can't get in no shit with that. And I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. Like, I know what's happening. It's just this silly pecking order, you know. Yeah, you can't get in any shit with that. I don't he's know. making fun of someone because they're not wearing work boots. Right. It's baffling. But it's by measure of how deep, like literally deep depth of something you could step in. Yeah. Cause everybody wants to play in the swamp. Yeah. But he's basically saying you're a wuss. Yeah. Cause, uh, he can't stand and poop <laughs> the old measure, the old measure of manliness. How much poop can you stand in <laughs> before you get some, that's, uh, it's funny, too, because you can't turn around to a guy like that. You can't turn around and be like, oh, how many digits in your bank account? Because they don't know what that means. Well, he might, well, he might have more than you. Think I so? mean, I don't know what standing in poop pays. Shit shovelers jobs? Dude, do I don't know. <laughs> a lot of those. This I side. mean, he's not spending the money on vacations. You know what I mean? Because no. those places are full of foreigners. Right. Because we have that. that that's, we have southerners here, too. They're just, they're just East Coasters. Different direction, but. If you listen to East Coast, hey, boy, how you doing there, buddy? <laughs> like they have the sure, same yeah. sort of like goofy, silly, and they have that that friendliness to your face. Now, they yeah. are, I would say that, you know, not because they're my countrymen, but just generally speaking, I would say that they're maybe a little more hospitable out East, but just as goofy sounding. Well, Southern people are hospitable. But remember, like, you know, the, the word hospitality, right, shares the same root as the word hostile. Don't cross your <laughs> eyes at me. Hostility and hospitality share the same root. Right. So there's something interesting about the idea of hospitality. Host. Well, the idea of hospitality is, is, you know, you stay with someone and they take care of you. Right. But then, of course, they are because they're taking care of you. Right. You're now subjected to the power of the house. So like in an aristocratic Greek sense. Right. Like you come stay on someone's land and they can provide yeah. because oh, you cannot yeah. provide for you. Right. Yeah. 
and there's something hostile there. There's something you're now being subjugated to the to the power of the person of the house, right? So hospitality has like this unspoken, like yeah, come on in, we got you, man, come on yeah. in. And then you're like, yeah, I disagree with your politics. You get the fuck out of here. I'll kick your ass. Don't <laughs> yeah, you ever exactly. question a man in his house? Like those two things are married together, right? Right. As a concept. <laughs> What's wrong? I just love all that stuff. It's like, oh, it's Southern hospitality. Let me tell you a story, man. That's that's what I like about you is that you'll you'll do a, a fucking shit joke and then immediately the next time you're like, you're like it's like that. Uh, what, what's the name of that book? Like, I'm gonna somehow help you out with your fucking crazy literary reference. It's and not, not crazy. crazy. Spot on. I apologize. Your your impeccably accurate <laughs> reference that I will not have in my fucking my reference book. Your field of reference is much larger than mine. You have more to draw from. Now, if we were talking about pornography, perhaps I could name some scenes that would make your point. But unfortunately, everybody always lets everyone inside them in those movies. Wow. And therefore, I can't just pick one. Okay. I don't know how we segue to that. <laughs> I have nothing to add. I I, uh, I wish I could read more. I really do. That's one of the things that I'm, I'm working on this month is, uh, is, is reading for 30 minutes a day, but it puts me to sleep. Puts you to sleep. Puts me to sleep only because I think I'm I'm too anxious. I'm always I can't I can't like I read the same paragraph over and over again because as soon as I start reading immediately something else starts going on my mind. As much as I'm reading the words and everything, it's just it's gone. I'll reread the same paragraph over and over again. But what are you trying to, what, what 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 kind of stuff are you reading? Uh, all over the map. I'm reading stuff on like mindfulness. I'm reading stuff on relationships. I'm reading stuff on psychology. I'm reading all sorts of different things and uh, like pop psychology. But stuff. here's the thing. No, no, I don't. I, I, I'm interested more like this. Uh, here's the thing. Like I, I ordered the, the meditations of Marcus Rillis because when you talked about it, uh, we were driving back from Kingston and we were, uh, you were telling me about it and just the different things he was contemplating, you know, is, is the war it's fascinating. That, yeah. Is the war that we're going to fight tomorrow going to matter in 400 years and, and things like that. You were, and I've talked to other people. I've been saying, I haven't even read the book yet, but the, the idea that this guy is, you know, to, to have, you know, say not save face, but to, but to be a good leader and at the same time to be so empathetic to, you know, your your adversary or whatever like that is is well ahead of its time. It's not like this guy was studying psychology. It's just that had the, the well, he, wherewithal. Well, he so. studied. I mean, he studied uh, you know every religion. You know, I mean, one of the <laughs> one of the interesting things is him referring to Christians as the cult of Christianity, right? Because yeah. of the time period, right? Um, but he was well versed in. Um, um, I don't know who he would have studied under. Who Aurelius would have been? Um, is that what's first sent? Is it like 60, 80 or something? Stop asking me questions when it comes to books. I, you just, you just put me on the spot. History. Fine. It's history. It's history world. book. It's history. <laughs> history the book. Comes from history the book. History the book of the book of stuff. It was the first Harry Potter history. It, I mean, it was. It really was. Um, hmm. No, the... Uh, it doesn't matter. So he... He was very he was very well read in you know religions of the day, but even like Buddhism and all that stuff, right? That wasn't necessarily in his face, um, right? And it was it's just fascinating you know, him processing it. But he also he takes a lot of what you know, I would consider like negative, pe- uh, like, like pessimistic philosophical stances, right? Not pessimistic in the way we use it, you know, generally, but as in a school of thought, like a pessimistic philosophical school, like cynical, right? The cynics right. and stuff. He takes a lot of that. And so there's a lot of those contemplations in there that are pretty heavy. And and it's fascinating that you know, this is a guy that was the ruler of Rome, right? 
and he's just dismissing statues that are, you know, of himself. Like, this is dumb. Well, you know, like in 5,000 years, this is all going to be dust. Yeah. And here are all these guys that, you know, he read growing up and he's naming them off. And then he's like, no one remembers who they are. And that's right. then. And we don't even have their work now. Like, yeah. it's gone. It's erased. And he's just mentioning them by name. And he's like, this is all pointless. This is everything we're doing is dumb. <laughs> and he's writing that as an old man on the front of war where he died. You know, yeah, it's where he, like, it but it's but that's the thing too is it's interesting to read that stuff and it's it, like now first off back in a time when he's writing down it's like how many people are even going to be able to read it? Do you know what I mean? He's not writing it so that he can have a bestseller the next fucking month, right? You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't think his, his well they came out posthumously. What's that? Those are his personal journals. So it came no, out, I, but it came out after he died, I believe. Of course, but I mean that the idea is that he wasn't public. Like, he wasn't trying to get it published. This were his. This was his. Well, journal. Yeah, well, yeah. What's the point, though? What would be the point of him publishing it? Because also, that's what I'm saying. Nobody right? can read. Well, he, so. no, not even that. Like he's already like the leader of Rome, right? And I mean, like his face is on money. It's not like he needs a publishing deal and an Instagram account with a bunch <laughs> of followers. <laughs> that's what I'm right? saying. But I'm like, saying yeah. so just to, so just to have the wherewithal to write it all down, like in a time like people write now, and it's and you know the the idea is what I'm reading, the things that I'm reading are more about enlightenment. So I'm, it's interesting to, to, to hear stories. And that's why I want to read it myself is about a guy who seemed so enlightened in a time where that wasn't like just, Oh, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to open my fucking meditations app and get my meditation of the day. Like this is a guy who's, you know, not, and, and, and the ego, right? Cause they say absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So a guy who has that power to not be like, I'm just going to go fucking shake my sword dick around and we're going to kill him. Fuck him. Like the idea that he actually implied uh, or implemented empathy in what he was doing. You know what I mean? Did Don't he, get me wrong. He was still slaughtering people, you know. Right. But, but if he didn't, someone else would have. So may as well. I, I personally would rather have somebody at the helm who's showing empathy. I mean, uh, in that jungle just south of the border right now, the guy who's uh, in charge right now doesn't seem to. It seems to be all about him. You know, Marcus Aurelius could have very much been Trump, where it's like, oh, fuck you. You want to say that my ratings suck? Well, here's my, today my focus is on pointing out how much better the ratings were on my TV show. And, I, and I'm like, you know, you're you're leading everybody, right? It's not about yeah, Marcus you. Aurelius didn't even have a TV show. I mean, that's I how humble he was. He didn't I just thought have... they kept turning down his fucking scripts, his pitches. <laughs> we don't really like, the, what do they call that? The Not the pitch, pitch? script or whatever. No, there's something. Treatment. Other, that's the one, treatment. Yeah, they kept turning down his treatments. <laughs> But that's the thing, like, like you could have had a guy like like Trump, who's just like me, me, me. Well, I'm in charge. Well, I'm the boss. Guys. Of course there were, but I'm saying Marcus Aurelius is the kind of guy going. At least from from what you've told me, so I'll just blame. I'll blame your reading. Just you know, I mean, it's an interesting book. You never read it, it's an interesting book. It's not. A, it's it's a you know, you, you can burn it in an afternoon, right? Ninety yeah. minutes, ninety pages, whatever it is. Just those collection of those. There's some far more fascinating like characters. You know, uh, Diogenes is my favorite. I think Diogenes is the 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 root of all social commentary that becomes comedy later on. I think we can trace all the way back to Diogenes. You know, when uh, uh, people are giving their uh, brilliant ideas and he just listen to it and then just deconstruct their idea. Never offer like a, an alternate. He'd right. Just shit on it and then walk <laughs> away. He's amazing. He was like the fucking Waldorf and the other one there. For yeah, like Alexander. The, so this one of the stories with Diogenes, Alexander the Great comes to to meet him, right? And so Alexander the Great would have been pupiled by Aristotle. I think that's right. I could be wrong. Um, and he goes, uh, so he goes to meet Diogenes. Diogenes would have been an old man at this point. I mean, he was homeless. He lived like in the, in the streets. And so he goes over and, and Diogenes is laying out in the sun, right? And Alexander the Great goes over. He introduces himself, right? Like I'm Alexander the Great. I think I know how to say You know, 
is there anything that I can do for you? And Diogenes You're goes, blocking yes, my yes, son. because you can move out of my son. <laughs> and it's so great. So then Alexander That's like the, the only great, thing I probably would know of all the literary references. Yeah, so Alexander the Great, you know, <clears throat> would say after that um, that if he wasn't Alexander the Great, he would like to be Diogenes. Because he really? would, yeah, because he's the man that can give you anything, but he can't give anything to that guy that has nothing. Diogenes is like this. I mean, Alexander the Great could literally give you anything, and there's nothing he could do for him, yeah. and that ate his brain up. Yeah, just the sheer <laughs> fact that this. How is this dude more powerful than me? There's yeah. nothing I have that he I can do for this dude, except for get out of his. Yeah, he's like a chick you wouldn't pay attention. <laughs> we'll get her attention in the bottom. Yeah. I want him because he doesn't want me. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I have to dumb things down to a Jersey Shore level for myself. <laughs> I'm like, that's really so I got to snooky this up. I got to snooky this up. She just had a tit job and collagen injections, and he yeah. doesn't want to fuck her. Okay, yeah. I get it now. Yeah, basically. It's <laughs> uh, another great one where he's walking into the theater, and he would go in the theater like the wrong way. I mean, everyone's leaving, and he would walk in the exit as everyone's coming out. And when people go, "What are you doing?" He's like, "The same thing I do every day." <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. I love that shit. So these are the kind of conversations that Matt and I have. You also, you told me a long time ago, which I thought was interesting. And I was like, immediately like, oh, I would love to not only just read, but you, when you read, you make notes in the. I'm a lunatic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a librarian's worst nightmare. Yeah. Like, so write, if it's like, you'll do it in, in library books? No, 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 no. Okay. But I mean, like librarians, are, you know, they usually just have the attitude that, you know, a book is, you don't do that. Right. And so you'll make uh, notes in the margins and yeah. stuff like that? So I have to buy books because I will make notes in the margins. And then I go back and organize my notes and, you know, write out other points from those notes. I'm out of my mind. But And it's not for material by any means, right? It's just, you just, it's fascinating. So I'm trying to... I, yes and no. It, I mean, that's where a lot of it comes from, is that that's considered part of the writing and creative process to me. So oh, okay. Okay. that's where a lot of it it gets boiled down as, but you know, I mean, I'll write essays for myself that are me trying to come to grips with what do I actually think about a topic before I can even tackle it right. joke wise. I may write the joke first. I may write the joke in reaction. That's how a lot of humor works. We write it in reaction to whatever. Yeah. And then I won't necessarily agree with the joke itself because it's completely written in reaction in the game of writing where I've right. removed all these real world things from it. Right. But then to me, that's step one. Step two is you go back and you play a game of like, does this fit, right? Is this actually a thing? And a lot of times uh, an issue will come up and I don't necessarily know where I stand on it. I haven't thought this through. Right. And you'll write a joke in reaction the same way someone will make a comment in reaction about something and then you, they realize quickly like, okay, that's not what I mean, right? And I will go back through and you know, read on that or contemplate on it, write about it, write a whole, you know, ridiculous amount about this topic until I kind of circle around and go, Oh, that is what, I, this is what I think. And this is why this, right. is, I agree with that. I don't with this, whatever. And then I will rewrite the joke so that it fits. If I can, if it can still be done as a joke, I'll rewrite that so that it fits what I think. Yeah. Fits your position on it and everything like that. Cause that's the thing too. I, I have ideas. It's a good way of putting it too, because I go through the same process. I'm just not aware that that's the process I'm going through. I'm just, oh, I, as far as I, I just call it overthinking, <laughs> keep going over it and figuring it out. But that's the same thing too, is I'll think something on it and then I have to figure out, I'm like, do I feel that way? Am I just angry right now about something? Anger is fear. What, what could I be afraid of in this instant? Go back over it. What do I really feel at the end of the day of it? What's the, the position? Maybe I just need to start reading more, start writing in my books. Yeah. It's not even the books that makes me think. See, that's the problem. 
I'll be reading the book and I'll start thinking about something completely different. Well, just just put a notepad next to you and then jot those down and go back to it and you know yeah. go back and forth. Well, you showed me Scrivener. Is that still a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's a software own. where you can write and then you can actually make notes in the, the the you know digital notes in the margins of what you're writing, right? I mean, you can do a lot more than that, but yeah, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. See, so, yeah, you're, Scrivener. It's on Vec version three now. It's a uh, uh, it's for long form writing. So okay. it's organization for long form. I, mean, it, I think it's originally put together for like academic papers and stuff. But Fair it's uh, it's great for organizing a big mess of notes. Yeah, it's really great for that. And you get the the note card view and all that. I think I, I hope need that to... I hope that I'm going to get sponsored by them by talking about them constantly. Yeah, we'll reach we'll reach out to them. <laughs> I have two I have two book uh, company sponsors right now for the podcast. Two book companies. Or publishing companies, I apologize. And I yeah, used the fucking I like, what the peasant hell? term for it. I apologize. I didn't even know what you meant. You're like, what book company is this from? <laughs> I have two book companies. Yeah, they're, uh, they're a company that deals in books. Huh. Fuck you. I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> I'm listening. I'm learning. Yeah, uh, I thought it was like bookies. I thought you were taking what, like that dog That's what the track delivery book. was on the door when we came in from Penguin Books. There's, they sent me oh, more Penguin, books. Oh, Penguin, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you heard of them? Yeah. They're a very prominent book company. Jeez. <laughs> you can call them a publishing house if you want to be a prick. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, that's like, yeah, this prick over here called it literary knowledge. A fucking book. Anyways, one of them, uh, one of them reading things. One yeah. of them. Yeah, like that toilet paper with the black shit. Wow. <laughs> I think it's funny that the somebody s- wrote it on my firewood. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, but the thing is, the two companies are not. Uh, ooh, geez, the one with shit. They're not shit. First off, one of them is Uncle John's Bathroom Readers. That's one of the sponsors oh. of the podcast. So. I know. I was going to say, they're not shitty readers. books, but they kind of, yeah. But they're one of the They songs. would actually like, like it if you said mm-hmm. shitty books, I think. I made a yeah. smart ass comment about them years and years ago on Twitter yeah. one time, and they replied to me, and I laughed my ass off. Was it funny? I don't remember what it was, but I just remember laughing at the <laughs> fact that I just, I, like, I didn't at them in it. I just made some comment about Uncle John's bathroom reader, and they just replied to it. This is way before that was like the funny thing to do for companies to right, hire right, somebody right. monitoring that. And they were right on top of it, and it just made me laugh. That Larry, the cable guy responded to a tweet where I was insulting him one time, but he was, he was fun about it. He just went with it. And that I, like, I'm like, I kind of, I kind of like him now. I'm like, I kind of, I, I, I can appreciate a guy who's that big, who personally responds. Like I I'm basically, not sure he does personally respond though. Uh, oh, it was a picture of him doing exactly what I was doing in the thing. Like, oh. like, like 10 minutes later. So I was like, okay, he didn't have time to fucking, his people couldn't go through the file of, all right, if someone does this to Larry, like uh, my, what buddy, if they did though, like the old SNL bit where they're like trying to pre-record, uh, the, the Tom Brokaw sign-offs, yeah, the, the like news Super Bowl thing. champions. They've got both shirts made already. Yeah, just they, in were case. Trying, they were trying to do it. Like he was, like whoever it was, was going to go on vacation in the, in the SNL skit. And so they're trying to like record all the possible scenarios that are going to happen while they're gone. And it's you know, starts off with you know so and so died, so and then it just gets more and more insane. That's fucking funny. Well, it was like my buddy. I was at his place and he had a riding mower, so I just sat on it. I immediately felt. I felt very blue collar. That's the nicest way I can think wow, of. Wow, man. Saying, I've had blue wow. collar jobs. I just felt very Maybe. blue collar on a riding mower on a piece of property. Why are you being classist? I don't know. This is, I haven't figured out my position on everything yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just turned my hat to the side, crossed my eyes, and I'm like doing my research trying to get that Larry the Cable Guy money or whatever. And then like 10 minutes later, I get a response to him with his hat turned sideways, his eyes crossed. He goes, hey, that's my line. Or that's my fucking signature move or something like that. Yeah, but I could I could and I was I, like, that's cool. But I could see him having just, you know, 
a stack of photos of him on a lawn, riding lawnmower. I could see that. Oh, absolutely. Well. With his hat tilted, eyes crossed, stupid slack jaws, same as me. Yeah. I thought it would take them longer to find the photo. No. Oh, well. He could have just been on a riding lawnmower when that happened. Th- that, fair enough. But even still, it was still a response for him. True. I'm not trying to take it away from you. No, it's, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. I was like, I'm going to shit on this guy. And then he responded, I'm like, that was, that was nice. Yeah, I'm gonna what sh- a nice I'm going to shit on this billionaire real quick. <laughs> exactly. That's, I'm only allowed to punch up nowadays, right? I would shit on the people below me, but I'm not allowed. Uh, <laughs> that's the rules. I wish there was like a fucking comedy... Uh, comedy uh, continuum or something we could just fucking jump on every day and just be like what are the rules today in comedy you know there are no rules i know well it feels like there are at times we're always getting shit but uh let's go back to you let's go back to you let's talk about getting in shit you're getting twitchy you're getting uh, you're getting worked up uh, i, like I want to talk about stuff but i can't i was t- i was talking with david pride uh a long time ago uh and he, and he was just saying like he and he's smart he has all the stuff he's like i want to talk about more i was just getting trouble and i was like can't talk about anything but he had said that on Chappelle's last special, um, that Chappelle was saying like it's a it's a comedian's job to speak recklessly, is to just say what you're thinking, say it and get it out there. Because it's almost like we help get the conversation started. All right. Yes, I know what you're thinking. I know. I know. Finally, a Latino comic. I know exactly. <laughs> I am here. Hola, something, something. All right. I love cigarettes. All right. I do. I do. I love people don't smoke anymore. I don't know what's happening. You can't smoke anywhere. Anyway, it's getting ridiculous, too. I understand why other people don't smoke. I fully understand that. But the people who yell at me for smoking, it's getting a little bit out of control. A little ridiculous. I was outside smoking. Had a lady get mad at me. Just come out of nowhere. Just. You shouldn't smoke around me. Well, maybe you shouldn't walk next to me. I may be a rapist, bitch. You don't know me. Crazy ass lady telling me what to do. <laughs> Coincidentally, I can't hang out outside of curves anymore. But That's an all women's gym if you miss that one. Yeah. I like cigarettes. I'm going pro smoking too. I know it sounds ridiculous. Even those of us here who smoke realize how ridiculous the phrase pro-smoking sounds. But I'm only going pro-smoking to counteract the ridiculousness of the anti-smoking people. I'm going grassroots level, too. Like this past year for Halloween, that's what I gave out. Not candy. Cigarettes. (laughs) Little Casper comes to the door. Trick or treat. Here's both, little buddy. (laughs) See you in ten years when you're pissed. All right. People get mad at that one too. Like, you shouldn't even joke. You shouldn't even joke about giving kids cigarettes. You should be ashamed of yourself. You shouldn't even joke about that. I don't know what's worse. Joking about giving kids cigarettes or giving little fat kids that come to my door every year candy. Like, how you doing, gigantic ghost? Wow, there's a, a lot of you. Well, here's a whole box of Snickers. There you go. Best of luck with your type two. All right. Come back next year. I'll give out Liberty Medical Supplies. It'll be a big event. Uh, the voting thing I find fascinating. Okay. Only because I, you know, I come from a place that has a long history of uh, 
trumped up, you know, no pun, no pun intended, uh, invented, you know, voting regulations and laws and, you know, fictionalized voter fraud and all these kind of things that are all meant to marginalize people. Mm. And that's, it's what they were. All right. And it's happened over and over and over and over again. Um, and I'm also fascinated with this idea where we, you know, democracy, right. As the end all be all, cause we, we see it that way because right. we're raised in a democracy. Right. Um, but taking away the origin of democracy, we look at democracy from, you know, 18th century forward, right? Not its origins, not from Plato's Republic of, right. of a Republic and a representative government <clears throat> that essentially perpetuates a, a, a DVD et impera of the lower class, right? Right. So that the upper class can maintain, right? The, the, the negotiation that's put in place there is more of a, if you guys all agree on this, you can come to us and then we'll change the laws. Right. Uh, but you all have to agree. And until you agree, we're just going to keep making the laws because we have the free time because we're not the ones actually farming anything. Right. right? So we, we kind of take that representative government idea and it gets, you know, embodied in, in Western countries now. And then we scream about democracy, even though we have representative government. Right. And so it's like this, this midway point there. Right. And everyone feels like we should have an egalitarian society out of this. And we clearly don't like reality doesn't reflect that. Right. And I think it's easily solvable, but no one wants the solution. And I think, I think most of the problems that we see in elections with, you know, the corruption of politicians, corporate money, influence, special interest group, money influence. Um, and a lot of the issues that, that get brought up and beat down that shouldn't be beat down, the you know, lack of funding of education and all these types of things. I think we can solve all of that. I think it's all very easily so I'm always fucking bracing myself when you're ready to present a solution to the masses. <laughs> Here's the solution. Out with it. <laughs> Here's the solution. Uh, we get rid of elections, right? We don't get rid of representative government, but we get rid of the voting process altogether. And uh, we get rid of campaigning and we replace all of that with a lottery system where every citizen over the age of 25, your name goes into a drawing right? Every four years, six years, whatever the cycle is, um, we draw out new people for all the positions. And then now Bill is the governor, right? And I know people's initial reaction is like, that's a terrible idea because my neighbor's a moron. Right. And I don't want my moron being the prime minister or the president or whatever. Right. You might have a good heart, go, But hang on. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, con- if that's your concern, then maybe we should fix that education system while we're doing this. Because if everyone was actually educated, right, everyone actually had access to education that would uh, prepare them for this role, then they would at least know not to fuck things up while they're there. Right. And also you remove a lot of the, the, the nationalistic or the, or the racist antagonistic type political rhetoric because, yeah, you're in office for four years, but there's a lottery coming yeah, up. Might be the person you you're hate not gonna get to. Next, you're yeah. not going to get to hang on to this. So you don't want the backlash. It's literally legitimately a lottery. There's a probability of the person coming in after you coming after you. Yeah. If you, if you throw hate at them, it's turnarounds fair play. Yeah. So, you know, be careful. Right. Did you come up with this all yourself? Yeah. Very, very interesting. If they, people hate it, man, what, I brought it up in like political, it. Ar- it makes so much I've sense. brought it up in like political, like legit political <sighs> arguments and people go nuts on me about it. But think about this corporate money has no influence now. Cause how are you going yeah, to, how do you pick who's going to be in charge yeah. next time? 
Yeah. You spread that money around to everybody, make things fair. Sounds a little. I mean, com- you could try. Sounds to, a little communist. Everyone gets a piece from the preparation right? for it. Yeah. Right. You could try to juice the guy who's in now. Right. The person who's the the governor or whatever. Now you could try to throw this some cash to get something through. But in four yeah. years, it's not like this guy gets to hand off the reins to the next person. I said there's no communication too. It's just a nice, like you're in a Faraday cage, right? A Faraday cage of information. So you go out, new guy comes in, just takes over your office. Like what the hell's happening here? I like that. Just that's it. Have your shit out by the end of the day. Yeah, just get out. Get all your crap out of here. I'm coming in. <laughs> I think it's. I think it would be at least hilarious. You know, just your. It wouldn't be any. Some worse guy's than that. driving a bus. A bus, right? And the elections come out, and he finds out. You know, he's the senator from Massachusetts now. He's like, "What the fuck? I gotta go do that." Yeah, I like. Uh, people have said that the, and I've, I've said it before in the podcast, and my listeners aren't hearing it for the first time. But just that whole, uh, it's like the the best person for the job is the one who doesn't want it. Because anybody who wants that position, like, oh, yeah, I'm the guy. It's like they're already too arrogant. You're, to, to think that you're the one who's best suited, like, I would never want to be in charge of that stuff. Not right. just the pressure, but I'm just like. Well, I mean, I, this person, that personalities that are, that are obviously, you know, attracted to it, right? Yeah. But I'm just saying for me to be like, I'm the guy who's going to decide for everybody. I'm the best one. I, I have the level of empathy and understanding and relatability to absolutely everybody. Like, that blows my mind. I, I, like, if someone's like, do you really think that you're the best person? No. <laughs> no well that's the i, I, that's I don't the, think at all the, and i feel way more enlightened than a lot of people in terms of being able to put my own shit aside and be like what is in the best interest of everybody i would still be like no i'm probably missing something i can't read a paragraph without falling asleep well it's so, like the life of brian thing right where it's like you know i'm not your savior he denies it he is the savior <laughs> it's that whole angle um, I love Monty Python, by the way. I was great. telling I was telling that to my mother. Get the even just in terms of talking politics, that scene from fucking Holy Grail, where it's like, get up and, and salute him. It's like, who are you? I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> and they go into this big argument, and I think so many people miss this part of the scene. But they're going up. It's like, well, what made you king? It's like, the, I didn't. I don't need your vote. The Lady of the Lake and. You know, and, and trusted me with Excalibur, and that made me again. Oh, so you're in charge because some watery tart threw a sword at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And all the while they're having this conversation, I think we should have a democracy where, where there's two thirds majority. And when he starts going off on the whole thing of democracy, and all the while that they're talking, they're just laid down a blanket and start putting mud in the blanket like they're harvesting muck. <laughs> all the whole, oh, there's some good muck over here. <laughs> they just start piling it into a bag to take away. I fucking, I love those guys. I love Monty Python. Ahead of their time, in my opinion. What do you want to talk about now? <laughs> it's your podcast, man. I, I have no I just solved. I just solved government. Dude, I think that's fucking great. Would you want to be, you wouldn't want to be a politician of any kind. No, no. I gotta, I've been asked to run for things. Because I know some people that are like heavy, heavily political. And I'm like, that would be a disaster. Do you really think so? Yeah. See, that's, I think that's why it's, that I, I, a, I like your solution because you're right. It forces everybody to be like, well, if we are concerned that the next guy getting in is going to be a fucking idiot, let's work on the education system. Do you know what I mean? Well, it uh, starts pointing out the things that we're not that we're not doing that we that we like to act like we're doing, right? Right. The things that that are actually important to the purpose of organizing a society, right? People like their their political, like hey, they're having the political parties thing. I would I would say if, if it was any kind of compromise, I would say start there. Get rid of the parties. There are no parties. Just individuals. Well, how do we pick the one inside our church? Well, I just was just starting out. I haven't got it. I, this is literally just forming my fucking concept now. <laughs> but I think that, but people vote for parties like it's a it's sure. like their fucking sports team. Sure, doesn't matter who the guy. It's my own, my team. It's like you know that's the guy that you fucking 
hated yeah. last season when he was on a different team, right? Like yeah. that guy isn't isn't really. He just he's, now he's wearing the jersey and he's he's your guy. Like like uh, I I gave I told him on the podcast already, but Jason Jason voted for the the guy in charge now, and, and it didn't matter that it came out with something that like his best friends, you know, Jocko, right? You met Jocko, yeah, yes, yeah. So when Jocko died and we we set up the fund from his sister spent all the money. Jason took her to court because she basically took the money from the kid. Took her to court, there was nothing left. And he was appalled by it. And it, and rightly so. Like, fuck, I, we took her to court, we got it solved, but she had nothing to give. So all that money was gone. He, she squandered, you know, her own brother's money. And then like two days before the election, it comes out that uh, Doug Ford, same story, you know, his brother died, mismanaged the money, the widow's got nothing now. And I go, I go, you're gonna, Jay, you're gonna vote for Jocko's sister right now. Like he's like, and he, and he starts voting. He looks at me. He's like, he's like, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm voting. I'm voting conservative no matter what. Right. And I was like, there's something dangerous about that to sure. be like, no matter what. You're well, just, people don't. You're, people don't like to go. It, it's it's basically in group stuff. So like we've we've uh, uh, and it's conservatism with a lowercase c, mm. not you know in in the political sense that we use the term right. Yeah. The status quo maintenance conservatism. But we do it on people doing on both sides. Like the statement, "I am progressive," right. and this is what a progressive does. That's a conservative statement, yeah. Because you have you have drawn a pedantic end to which you may ascribe, and then by ascribing to it, you prove your in group belonging to the group that from which you are uh, uh, both contributing to and draining from it um, uh, self identity and self-worth based on your measure of ascribing to the things, the pedantic end that you are upholding of the thing, right? This is the first Ted talk I've ever had on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to replay that and Google every word of that fucking. What are you talking about? I'm just, um, but because we do that, we're drawn to that, right? So when people, uh, political parties are very um, um, easily turned into those things. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I know like the, a lot of the dudes back in the day, when they were founding the U.S., right? Like they were, they weren't for that. They weren't for the party thing. Like, and you know, Thomas Paine especially wasn't. Tom, of course, Thomas Paine was like, of course. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but go on, please. He was a lunatic. <laughs> uh, Thomas Paine thought that you know representatives should come from the upper end of the societies in each town. You know, they moved to Washington. They're there for uh, four years and had to move back, mm -hmm. and then go back into whatever they did from wherever they're from and send a new person because you lose touch with the society that you're representing. But you're already on the upper end anyways. You've already, there's a certain level it's always of society that you don't have touch with anyways. Right. But it was always upper end. Right. Um, there was never any mistake. They didn't want everyone to have the vote because they didn't, they never want these people over here voting. Right. It was never a question amongst those guys. Well, there's just little things that people don't think of when it comes to like, I mean, like, like when you hear, you're watching the debates and they're talking all about Toronto. You know, it's the whole province. They're talking about Toronto, all the money, you know, federal money and things like that. Toronto is obviously the biggest city. It's going to get a lot of attention. But when they're talking about spending tax money on, you know, widening lanes and in mm -hmm. big cities, you know, people are, you know, the smart people get that. It's like, well, why would some guy paying his taxes fishing in the middle of the fucking Northwest Territories? Like, why would he want his tax money going to make Toronto better? You know what I mean? Like. Just little things that people like, and that's sorry. Going back to like whole white, we don't send the fucking upper class. Upper class is like, oh, how do I get, how do I get into my limousine into the airport faster? Sure, you no, know? I, mean, like, I need an extra. But that lane. is a good question. Uh, <laughs> no, the, right, and that's that's why having the the upper one percent, they're not, they're, they're not, they've got no touch. They don't know what it's like to to struggle, maybe to have, uh, you know, 
Right, but that, and but that's also like a Platonic point, right? That's a that's a Plato, the, the philosopher end of society should rule. Is that where Platonic comes have, from? Um, you have a Platonic relationship. It's I like don't you have know. A Plato I don't relationship. Know. I don't His know. fucking name is the root word. You'd have to double check that. I don't, uh, I don't research because he did some creepy things. You know what I mean? Like personal life. I like to bring that up too. That uh, I don't know how risque I can get on. Did your, you say anything? What? Okay. Uh, I like to bring that up when people start talking about the male toxicity issue, right? And I'm okay. always like, really? You think that Western society might be a little bit male toxic when it's all based off of you know the Greeks' concepts of republic and democracy you know a group of people that were literally fucking boys in the mouth came up with this <laughs> and you think that maybe two thousand years later shit's gonna get a little sideways yeah exactly you think <laughs> anyway sorry uh my point fucking boys in the mouth is probably a bit much do you think so it was i think it's accurate it was at starbucks i know that much yeah when they I don't said like it when there. you talk about it there when i brought it up in line you really didn't need to get on the soapbox to say it either i'm well, sure they could have heard you it just was well. a, everyone it was, was on their phones you didn't have it was to. a pallet of coffee beans it was not a soapbox <laughs> but you have to get high enough to your voice will carry over the <clears> clickety clack <throat> of terrible scripts being written so <laughs> we're in ottawa no one's writing scripts they're in writing, my mind they they're are. writing government grant proposals as well. oh are they yes I should probably talk to some of them. Uh, what was that talking? Oh, so yeah, fucking the boys in the mouth. Thing, the conservatism thing. Um, we we just seen it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. The the uh, ascription to a a party or an ideological bent, and then it just becomes that, and then that also defines who you are, uh, and how you see yourself in society. Right. And then you double down on that, even when it works against you. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's. Cultural hegemony is the theory on that, which is Antonio uh, Groms, Gramsci, Gramsci, Gramsci. I'll Gramsci. confirm it. Saying his name I'm wrong, confident confirming that. Italian dude in prison by Mussolini, went nuts in prison. Uh, but when he puts that, when you have that behavior, it's fascinating to me when, we, when you see that behavior play out. Because what happens when a society starts to not live up to what you've ascribed to. So you ascribe to the conservative or a non-conservative party and you vote for that. And then they get in and then things don't go the right way. People immediately start uh, not blaming the thing they've ascribed to. But they'll shift to a more a closer, more direct version of that. Uh, or something else that they, that they get self-identity from, they'll shift to that, and then they'll try to align that with whatever the larger societal ethos is. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you take the U.S., where you, you know, the American dream concept or whatever you want to take, right? right? Which is really like a human world concept. It just gets titled the American dream somewhere in, like, the late 1800s or whatever. Just the idea that your kids do better than you. I and mean, it's right. pretty much a human attitude, but it gets lumped I thought the American the, dream was, like, fucking a house... Two kids, house, car, two marriage. kids, car. Yeah, so you get specific with that, but that's okay. like the nuclear family, which comes in like the nineteen fifties, okay, uh, or forties, or whatever, post-war. So, get it right, because I won't check. But the idea of, <laughs> but the idea of, you know, it's basically your your kids doing better, right, and, and that whole thing, right. So, when when the society, the larger societal end starts to fail at that, whatever people have have subscribed to, and whatever they've kind of promoted. You know, as like this is the American way and whatever, and this is what we do here, and they they're watching that not work. They're not getting those things right. The world around them is crumbling economically. They don't have. They're not advancing the way that they thought. They did all the things they were supposed to do, and mm -hmm. it's just not working. 
They're not getting the house. They're not getting the car. They're right. not getting the whatever. But that's what they bought in. They bought into this Instagram profile of America, yeah. and they're not getting it. I right? called it the template of life. It's right. Like you're just not punching the right things, checking the right boxes. But they're doing it. They're doing all those things, and they're not yeah. getting it. Right. Go well, school, no, no. I mean, I mean, they're not. They're not checking that box. I got the house. I got this. Right. They're working. They're doing everything they were told to do. Right. Go to right. school. Get a get a degree. Get a good job. Right. So they're then they not. retreat into something closer. Right. And they go, well, what's wrong with that? is it doesn't have my Christian values or it doesn't have my uh-huh. rural values or it doesn't have my city more communal values or it doesn't or it strays from you know this Protestant belief I have about community or this you know so because they can't achieve it they have to find a way to well then they say that's what's wrong with the overarching end and then they say that that, that needs to be conformed to this christian value or this uh, uh rural value system or whatever so like the tea party stuff was a lot of that right mm. uh libertarian views start coming up in that stuff right where you're going like i want this thing away from me i want to be autonomous right which is because i don't want to be part of the structure that's that that's yeah. clearly screwed up yeah. leave me alone yeah i'm fine but li- the libertarian thing is hilarious right because it's it's basically oxymoronic it's uh i want to be a member of a society by also not being a member of a society right yeah i want to be an individual uh but within the society but the society is what makes you an individual that's a group of hipsters so if you're no but like if you're if you're (laughs) if you're gonna like in the u.s if you're gonna loft up the whole um individualism that comes along with the protestant stuff you know going on at at the beginning of the u.s there if you're gonna go along with that and then you try to marry this with Locke's concept of an individual, what individualism means. But he's saying that individualism is given to you by the formation of a society. So by being a member of a society, you become an individual. Mm-hmm. Everything outside of that is essentially a wild animal. So your inability to conform to our laws makes you a beast. Right. Right. <clears throat> but you are an individual here. But to be that individual, you must be subjected to the laws and the membership of the cohesion of the society. Now, Locke's probably really writing all this just so he can make it look better that we're killing Native Americans left and right, right? right. See, they don't, they don't know our, they don't pay our taxes. They're, right. they're monsters. They're not part of the society. They're yeah. animals. But that's also, but that goes all the way back to, I think, Socrates or Aristotle, who said that, you know, um, um, uh, only a beast or a god can live outside of a society, right? So either you are above the society or right? below it, or you yeah. are part of the animal kingdom, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't mind being part of the animal kingdom. You say that. You I don't like putting that. on pants. <laughs> All right. I take it back. Maybe you would like it. All right. I, that's uh, the only counter argument I've been sitting on for years waiting to me. Right. So you but, really want to be an animal? Dress? But the idea no is pants. that the individual is born in, in that. Right. So yeah. to say that you want you don't want to participate in that thing and you don't want to fund schools when you have no kids. People make that argument, too. Right. I don't want to fund roads over there when I don't use them because I'm over here. Right. right. I don't want my interactions to fund larger society. I want my existence to be a part of that. I want to be you autonomous. Want your influence but to work I on still want to be an individual because you don't want to be addressed like a wild animal. Right. Right. You don't want me as a member of the society walking up to you and not respecting anything about you and treating you as less than. Right. You don't want that. You don't want to be a part of the animal kingdom. You want to be, but then at the same time, you don't want to participate in this, right. which is the thing the, that is creating the, the individualism that you're trying to maintain. Yeah. So it's an oxymoronic position to have. Like you can't have it. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you bring this up to people on comedy stages and they just get mad at you. But talk about <laughs> dicks. <laughs> No, but I'm fascinated by that behavior. But oh, this is 100%. also what, what Gromsky 
was talking about when he talks about cultural hegemony he's talking about how you can take those um that behavior and even with like popular culture that's going on and you can actually manipulate people into defending positions that are against their own interest based on their subscription to the group that they want to be a part of and you can wind up with someone going you know know, guns define me in america uh and i'm against healthcare. Healthcare. You should work 900 hours a week to be able to afford a basic doctor visit. Right. Because that's or, hard work, and that's what being a man is. And yeah. you're like, this is not, what are you doing? Like, yeah. is, it would be better for you also. But, but no, because that takes away who I am as a person. I had a conversation with a comic. He was up here doing Absolute, and, uh, and he was saying how, like, he was so mad at the idea of them trying to make Obamacare, and, which is a different fucking thing than healthcare, but working towards at least seemingly... He's like, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want healthcare. Healthcare is fucking stupid. I'm going to pay more taxes. That's bullshit. And I said, Yeah, but you know that you don't have to pay for insurance on top of it, right? I go, You know, healthcare, your taxes pay for it. And I go, Like, what do you? I said, If you don't mind my asking, what do you pay for health insurance right now? He's like, For he's like, I pay, uh, I pay like five hundred and something a month, and it's that's me, my wife, and both my kids for that much money. Like, you got a good deal on car insurance or something. Right. And I go, I don't think that a four-person family pays depending you know that much in tax for healthcare a month at all and i go and here's the best part of it being from the government there's no insurance adjuster who's looking to find a hole in your policy to not right. to not pay for it when you need it i go i would who would you rather have taken care of you a fucking you know a police officer or an insurance protector who, well in the u.s who, i mean you, you don't want the cops involved at all no of course <laughs> but i'm just saying like, they got a loophole for that policy but like. the, but but people they, they don't get that that's how healthcare works they're like oh no insurance i don't want a healthcare it's stupid to pay tax i'm like it's cheaper overall if everyone was paying into it it's cheaper and no one's trying to fuck you out of the results right do you know what i mean it's not like you oh you have an issue well i gotta choose pick and choose well it's, we're not we're not approving your if you need a fucking pancreas to live you're gonna get a pancreas here well the, i mean the u.s allowed for hospitals to be owned by publicly traded companies yeah they're so working on stuff like that that's that's at the root of uh i mean insurance companies are you know obviously you know publicly traded they have stock they have profit incentives all that stuff and they but report that's, record record fucking yeah. profits but that's that's at the root of the issue yeah is this idea that it should even be a a a for profit publicly traded type business. Yeah, well, you have, healthcare that healthcare should be. Yeah, it's it should be. I honestly think it should be a basic human right. Sure, but but at the same time too, like was it you that was talking to me a while back? But even the concept of having like rights is is bullshit. Like nobody has rights. Like go to another country. Maybe it wasn't you. I'd surprise because usually most intellectual conversations that I have with I don't know why you say you. that. Fuck you. How many? How many? You fuck it. You've named people I've never heard of today. You're like, was it? That, that it, doesn't like, mean like, anything though. You could name people that matter. that work at you in know terms the of, Dairy Queen down the street. I don't know them. <laughs> what if all the people I'm naming are just people that work at a Waffle House? That's fine. They're how published. great would that be? They're published, which makes me feel what worse about myself because pub- I they're, never. What if they're there. not published? It's just something that somebody said to me over grits. You should always fact check. Then I would probably want to hang myself. I'm like somebody who's achieved such a little level of fucking career success has got the level of enlightenment of, of Aristotle. Hey man, and you know, you got time to sit around eating grits. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> Time to think about it. That's shit. just basically watered down sand, right? That's what I, grits I don't know. Like. I don't even understand it myself. I just hear it on American television. Grits. Yeah. I'm like, that doesn't sound oatmeal is. That's what we refer to as like different levels of grit on sandpaper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like eighty grit. Yeah, right. That's how you can order it too. I want my grits. I'm gonna three twenty. <laughs> get a nice, get a nice fine grit this morning for my breakfast. That's right. My teeth have felt a little too round on the outside. <laughs> Filed them so <laughs> just like flat. Smooth it out. <laughs> yeah, man. I uh, I find a lot of this stuff fascinating, but I'm I'm that's, that's what I'm working on in terms of the shit that I'm trying to read. Is is I'm trying to to learn this stuff. But what were we talking about? I, I thought it was you that was saying that. Uh, fucking, I've even forgot that the rights thing. You should bring something. Yeah, it's like rights. people think that they like you have the right. This is a basic human right. It's like there's no such thing as a rights. Well, I mean, I mean that's, that's, look at that's, the, but the, that's Locke's argument, which is preceded by like Rousseau. Right? There's so, so much of it. Like people think they have the rights. Like you go to another country and they, you know, you don't have the right to put your hands on me. Like, oh, well, that, well, just present that argument. And of course, then naturally they respect it because you have rights. It's like no, you don't. You don't have any fucking rights. That it's an illusion. Well, that the argument is that a, a, a civil society creates it. Right. Right. The organization well, of the society creates the concept of rights. Yeah. So I mean, um man of nature you know what you could argue has no rights that and that is the argument that Locke is making he comes off of that argument to make that argument so that i mean i honestly think so that they could you know basically justify morally the fact that they were just taking land right could be all i know is that at the end of the day i don't walk around like i've got this protective barrier of rights and this and that because like you watch how quickly someone takes you into a room in an airport you're never seen again you know what i mean where, are you threatening where, me where you're, <laughs> are you threatening me <laughs> you know you're in the safest place you could be in are you threatening me? But you know what I'm uh, saying? Like, that's the thing. And you start start proclaiming, even in a civilized society, you start proclaiming your rights in a situation where they just decide they're... Well, go to Mogadishu. Go to Mogadishu and, and scream on the, on the street corner how nobody can mess with you. Yeah. And they'd be like, they just laugh in your face. Like That's, <laughs> well, that's a, what I'm saying. the it's most like, adorable thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I would rather prepare myself mentally and physically for the world that exists versus like, oh, I'm protected. Hey, I mean, I like the fact that everything that can kill me in Canada, I can see coming for a while. <laughs> I don't have to shake up my shoes because there's fucking scorpions and snakes. Let the dog in the backyard gets eaten by a croc in fucking Florida or whatever. I like being here for that stuff. But I just mean, generally speaking, like I don't walk around like, oh, I got rights. I'm like, I'll just I'll just try to know what I know about the world and the way it is and uh, operate with around it, you know? I'm going to fix the government. I've wasted enough time kicking that water uphill, right? Kicking <laughs> that water uphill. I think, I think it was Stanhope who had said that a long time ago. Some things like, you have an easier time trying to kick water uphill. I'm like, <laughs> that's a great way to look at it. He put, he put that on an argument. He goes, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at trying to change the world. Uh, well, who was it? No, I, I think maybe it was George Carlin was the one who said that the world was bought and paid for a long time ago. So... I don't know. I, I would hope to think that I'm not like, a, what's the name of that one who was always cynical? Oh, Marcus Aurelius, who's saying he took uh, cynical views on things, whatever, looked at it cynically. I just, I look at it, I don't want to be cynical. There are far more like, cynical people than him. I'm sure. E.M. Uh, was Koran. Was I always get his name last name wrong. Choran, Koran, C-I-O-R-A-N. He's Romanian. He, mm, I would have got I, his name wrong, too. If, who's if, that guy, Josh? If you, if you have ever been like if you if you enjoy really negative pessimistic things if you enjoy them then uh his book uh the trouble with being born will be hilarious to you okay if you react to them in kind of like a oh that hurts yeah then hit it don't don't read it yeah see that's the thing i i i'd like to think of myself as a realist because like i said i'm not trying to be negative when carlin's like the world was bought and paid for i'm like i can understand that view and 
I don't want to act like the world can be changed. You know, oh, let me go out and I, I agree with Gandhi's position of being the change that you want to see in the world. So to, to influence just what's around you with your actions and, and positivity and karma and all that. Absolutely. You believe but in karma? You're Hindu now? Uh, sure. Okay. I definitely believe that what you put out comes back because it's just creating around you, right? It's even golden rule stuff. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Like I'm basically good for just, you know, be the change, all that shit. Just make the world around you a little bit better. If I can do that, then I'm, I'm good with that. And hopefully if, if everyone took that position of just, just put out what you want to get back. I think you can change things. I think th things can be. I do, but I don't think like you can protest. You can stand outside fucking uh, parliament or whatever, protest, and now your change occurs. I don't think that that's the way it is because people dismiss. They dismiss a lot of it, but I think, yeah. but I think that that can reach a level. I, I, some of it, I think, where you get that that view, and correct me if I'm wrong. Some of that is because people will stand outside, you know, parliament or wherever and protest something that you know, eleven thousand people give a shit about in a country of 30 million. Right. Right. Yeah. And people are like, Meh. and you're like, you see constant protests for very small things and maybe they get movement. Maybe they don't, but big things protesting. I, I, I mean, history shows us it works, right? Even, even if protesting leads to revolution or something like right. that, see it works. But I mean that, that what I find fascinating is the number of times that, that voting for, for someone doesn't result in change. Right. I'm fascinated by that where it's like, uh, you go and you vote for this representative and the representative gets in and you want this big sweeping and they never lead it without the social momentum there. It's never spearheaded without social momentum with it. Right. But, but at the same time, like look at how we follow laws, right? So if we go to like there are parts in, in China, you know, and smoking like indoors is going away there, right? Like they're, you know, they're going to finish this last season of Mad Men and they're going to put a stop to it, I guess. But uh, <laughs> you can still walk in somewhere and smoke. And it's supposedly you're not supposed to, but you can do it because no one gives a shit. Right. Berlin's that way. Like they like smoking in bars is illegal there. And they passed a law and literally every bar owner, cops and everybody was like, that's dumb. And they just continued smoking in bars. Yeah. And no one does anything about it. That's the enforcement of laws, the social end. Right. It's never the, we wrote this on a piece of paper, whatever, unless the society actually capitulates to the law, mm -hmm. then it doesn't exist. Right. So same with, uh, uh, you know, drugs are illegal. Yeah, until you're in the certain certain circles where no one gives a shit. Right. And then they're not, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, I'm fascinated with that as well, that that behavior. Oh, my, myself but the, as well. But I feel like the protesting is kind of where you you push that out into the public and people can go yes or no and join. And if it gets loud enough, then it absolutely does have effect. It has effect only in the sense, because here's the thing that I've learned, and this comes from the psychology stuff and just like a lot of personal Who are you reading psychology-wise? I want to know. Actually, it's just just uh, collections of different psychology. It's it's like entry-level stuff. Not Well, maybe not entry-level, but... Um, Let me know when you get to like the psychoanalysis one of my, one of my thing. Well, here's the thing. is is One of the things that I've learned that's helped me a lot in my life in the last year or so is that you can't change anybody. You can. Uh, you cannot. You can. You cannot. You can cut a man's arm off. Now he has one arm. He has changed. <laughs> Fair enough. You can alter someone's physical. What I'm saying is in terms of... of, of, of creating the 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 change in somebody you can't do that if i wanted you to quit smoking there's nothing i i could make your life miserable i could definitely create way more resentment for from you towards me long before i'd initiate the change of the city if you if somebody doesn't want to change you can't change them there's nothing you can do to change them so i look at protesting as just like you know you now it, you basically either have to make them feel like well i i want to change because i don't want the results of this now i'm not but saying you can't create change them. i i not really 
not surreal. You're you're basically initiating them wanting to change themselves. If but if you, you won't quit smoking until you want to quit smoking, right? Right. So that's it's just change, that simple. But if you change my mind on quitting smoking, but but, that, but then you is changed. that changing me? You changed. You have to be open to it. So some some protests and some changes. And here's the thing: is the amount of of and you can't you know one person standing on parliament. You know it's going to take a big enough thing. I definitely agree that you can initiate change. I'm not saying don't protest, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be like uh, you know negative or pessimistic or critical on it. But I'm like. I would much rather spend my time and effort making the world around me a better place than screaming at the people in charge and hoping that maybe somebody else takes my position. Because I also don't want, I don't want to create change in my world um, through like, not, I don't want to say bullying because it's such a lame word that people throw around, but I don't want to create it through uh, fear and anger. I don't want to make you scared of of my group or my position so you change out of fear. I would rather... Be like, here's my position on things, and I, this is the good that I'm putting. The people are like, you know what? I like being around that guy. Why are you always in a good mood? Here's why: because I look at things like this, and that's just how I feel. Oh fuck! You know what? That makes a lot more sense than just being angry and yelling at people all the time to do what I want them to do. Somebody had said to me recently: those that cannot control their own emotions want to change other people's behavior, and it's I, I feel I feel like that's true. I feel like that a lot of the social justice warrior bullshit is people who don't know how to handle things. They want everyone else to change to suit them, and that's the sure, thing. It's, that. it's a pointless battle. You can't change other people. So screaming at them doesn't make them want to change. It makes them want to get away from you. It makes them not want to be in that argument, but it doesn't change how they think or feel. Right, but they're, you- changing, they're changing just, okay, well, I know not to go around you now. Conversations like this one where we're discussing things that are of importance is what creates change, especially being open to the idea that maybe you don't know everything. Maybe your position isn't infallible and everything like that. Maybe there's something different or something new you can learn from someone else. Right. So I like the idea that that having conversations about talking about interesting things, talking about things that are taboo and whatnot, I, I think that that goes back to the kind of mind control and keeping everyone under wraps is you have things like what are going on right now. People are like, I don't want to talk about it. It was the ice in the fridge. We have this all the time where we're doing conversations here and then the fucking ice will, when we got an ice maker in the fridge, we're doing very well. Uh, <laughs> but... But the thing is, there's conversations where people are like, oh, don't talk about that. It's too, no, just don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And that's kind of the best way to keep things hostile and everything like that is don't talk about it. Don't have sure. conversations. Because another thing about psychology is when people feel attacked, they attack back. So conversations about, you know, men being worse than women right now or women being worse than men. People not want to talk about transgendered stuff. People not wanting to talk about, you know, gay rights or or talking about different cultures. Everybody don't talk about it, right? Just, just it, it creates that A, no understanding. If you're not discussing something, you're not learning, you're not understanding. Um, and to to not want to go near it just creates it so that you don't I mean it's the oldest trick in the book, right? Keep everybody fighting amongst themselves and no one paying attention to what's going on on top. But Ultimately, I, I just I've learned, at least I believe it currently, is that you can't change anybody else. You can only change yourself. So I try to create a good climate around me. I don't want to do things out of anger or hatred or whatever, because understanding it's all just fear. And I don't I certainly don't want to influence anybody else out of fear, which is something I used to do all the time. I used to get in fights with family members and stuff like that. I would try to provoke change in them by insulting or belittling. It wasn't the strategy that I was aware of at the time, but I tried being like, hey, you say you want to be happy, do this. And then it wouldn't work. So you just like, you provoke person, basically point out other people's flaws. I, I and it's funny because I have, I have roommates here that'll do that. They, I know that their heart's in a good place. They want good things for me, but like, I'll have roommates who will be like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. If you want this, then you shouldn't do that. And it's like, what's well, great. You can tell me all these things, but I'm not going to change 
because of what you're saying. In fact, when you start insulting, you're not provoking a change. What you're doing is making me not want to talk to you and not be around you. Do you know what I mean? So right, but then how do you account for the for the you know the long running power of shame? It, I'm not saying it doesn't get results. People wouldn't do it if it doesn't work. But it doesn't make you. It doesn't bring you closer to the other party. No, that's what I'm saying. So you might get your change out of it, but did you get it the way you wanted? You know what I mean? Like well, if, if, yeah, you have a, if you're going to fight with a family your, member and they're like, fine, take the car and they throw their keys at you. Great. You got what you wanted, but are you happy? Did that, did that make the relationship between the two people any better? And that's what I'm saying is at the end of the day, do you want to have, I would rather have good relationships with people and let them be their own person than to be like, I need you to think the way I think so badly that I'm willing to end the relationship. Uh, Deepak Chopra had a book called the, the Ultimate Happiness Prescription. And in that, one of the things was give up the need to be right. Because every time you have to be right, that means that someone else has to be wrong. And to make somebody else feel wrong uh, is to hurt a relationship infinitely more than just that that pride of being right in a situation. And the world is made up with many different perspectives and views. So two people can have conflicting views and still both feel right or whatever on, on the subject. I've actually tried to take the words right. The problem with some of those things, though, is that sometimes people are wrong. So if... I mean, uh, yeah, it yeah, sounds I, funny, but like if if your view is slavery's good and my view is slavery's bad, yeah, then I'm going to say objectively by any ways that we can construct to measure this that you're mm-hmm. wrong, right? And I, I don't respect that point of view. And but do I'm you not, think fighting with not, that person will change their mind? Like or, to argue with them will would change their mind? It's possible. Yeah, it's possible because it's, if if they hold that view. Um, I mean, if you can have a civil discourse, you can right. try that. You know, but, but that change has to occur in them. They have to be open to the idea. So you're right. sitting with talking with someone who thinks slavery is good, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be argumentative. What I mean is, they think slavery is good. You think it's wrong. I happen to share your view, but the you idea think it's is good? that it's not good. I share your view. I, I can't say. believe that you think slavery is good. <laughs> what I'm saying is that he already a odds are you're not the first person to say slavery is not not good to this guy. Secondly, he has to make the change within himself to be open to something other than what he thinks already. So that change that you're not in control of has to already occur in him. So if he's not ready to make the change, there's nothing that you can say to him theoretically that's going to make him go, oh, well, I, I got to be open to it. It's like people who want to argue their side, but they're not open to the other side of it, right? That's right, where but, the, the but, whole line, when the student is ready, the master appears. It's not that this information isn't available, that the things that you want right. to learn aren't there. It's as soon as you decide that you're willing to learn, that's when you become receptive. Their master is always there, but it's not because they're not saying the thing to you. It's because you were never ready to, to learn it. And so that's the change that has to occur. That's where I say that you cannot change anybody else. You can influence, you can push it, you can take away their cigarettes and crush them. They'll smoke behind your back. You can watch them 24 hours a day, but now all you're doing is making them feel like you're watching them like a parent. They're going to start resenting you because you're making them feel like they're not independent, like they don't have choice. So you might get the result that you want. I made sure you didn't smoke, but you've damaged the relationship infinitely more than than what it is. So I've gotten to that point where, yeah, protesting and shit like that can work. You can get your results, but the ends doesn't justify the means, in my opinion. That's where I'm at on the whole trying to change other people thing. Right. So take it away from the smoking thing. Go back. We will talk about comedy at some point. <laughs> we'll, no, we won't. No, we won't. I'm having fun. Uh, I hope everyone's still here. <laughs> go back to your slavery point or to my slavery point. To, to your slavery point. And I apologize if I misunderstood. But I'm the, just saying that in terms of if he's not open to it. Right. But see, you're, the focus on the relationship, right? If you find out that someone you're friends with is super pro-slavery. They're, uh, say they're a white supremacist or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And you try to address that. Yeah. 
through civil conversation. Right. And you can point out all the fallacies in their, in their concepts, but this is what they've ascribed to. It's how they define themselves right. or whatever. And you go, well, I can't change this person. All I can do is lead my life, right, to uh, maintain the relationship I have with this person, right? Okay. Um, attacking them is not going to do it and whatever. At some point, I disagree with you because at some point, I'm like, full fuck the relationship. I'm not and, saying you have to keep and, the relationship, but I'm saying that if I just make that, like, if I can't change that person, if I can't change their opinion, because that we just uh, understanding what I understand about it, and I could be wrong. I, that's another thing that I'm willing to do. Is I'm willing to always put myself in a position See, like, where like, I'm open to new information. But I'm saying that I don't need to keep the relationship as a friend. I'm not like I'm going to keep this. Well, let's just stay friends. But what I mean is that I don't share that view. And I'm also, I'm going to, I can't change that person. I can make a change. The change I will make is I will spend less time with you because I don't share your views. And I don't want to make what you what your view more palatable by like, oh, I can just be this kind of guy and everyone will still be around me. Like, that's where I, where, where I say, like, you can't change other people, you can only change yourself. So it's the kind of thing, like, if we had an abusive relationship where you're always taking advantage of me, I would say to you openly and directly, I, I need you to stop doing this because I don't like it. It makes me feel disrespected. You know, and if you don't do it, I would say, I need you to make that change because if you don't make that change, I have to make a change and that'll be, I don't spend time with you anymore. So that's the dynamic is that you, right. you can't, you can't change someone, but I can offer information up and go, cool. Now it's the ball is in your court. That change will not happen. It's not up to me. It's up to you. And if it doesn't, then I can only change myself. And that change will be that I'm not around you anymore. Right. So it's not to say you're going to get necessarily the results that you want, but the idea is that right, you have okay, that. Okay, okay, That's okay. what I'm saying. So with that guy, we're, I'm not saying keep, we're, we're yeah. talking two streams of two different things. So the behavioral thing that you're talking about is about, uh, it really is more about personal relationship stuff and behavioral things and correcting that you want to, you know, see somebody doing something, hurting themselves. It kind of falls into that. I don't want to talk about social change, which is a little bit different because social change deals with mass mentality and things like that. Right. But and I'm you absolutely, that, I think you absolutely can force a societal change. But I don't want to force it, is what I'm saying. I don't feel like, I feel like you, if you're forcing it, it's out of fear or anger. I don't think that you can force something out of love. Right. But you're I not. I think that's more of, of influence, and influence comes from. Well, Gandhi would, I mean, Gandhi would argue that you could. Um, yes, he would. But then Mandela I'd would. kick his fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Mandela. I, we needed a laugh break at some point. <laughs> Mandela counters the argument that he says that nonviolence, nonviolence only works. In a cage match? No. <laughs> nonviolence only works when your enemy sees you, as, <clears throat> sees you as human. That's a good point. We need to take a break. Do you need a break? Yeah, can we pause? Yeah, let's pause. Uh, let me see if I know how to do that. Hit play, Just delete this last hour. No, I'm kidding. Fuck you. <laughs> All the country stuff, too. All the stuff, hunting and the fishing. I don't go anymore. I don't. I had a bad experience hunting a few years ago, though. My father's place, middle of nowhere, right? 20 yards off the house with a tree line. I'm cutting through out of nowhere. I am face to face with a cobra. Yeah, Alabama cobra what? That's why I'm freaked out. It shouldn't be there. First thought in my head, I have to ricky-ticky-tavvy this little situation immediately. Right? <laughs> Which means kill it if you forgot the story, right? You're face to face with a cobra, you have to kill it. You do not want to be a cobra's bitch. <laughs> no. G.I. Joe half the battle, I remember, right? So. He was the bad guy, yeah. Luckily, I have a shovel near me. I drag the shovel over. I'm right there. I'm going to kill the cobra. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I stop. I start thinking. I'd just seen all three, they were out at the time, Harry Potter movies back to back. I'm no longer sure this is actually a cobra or very powerful wizard. <laughs> and I'm freaking out, because you can't kill a powerful wizard with just a shovel. 
Not unless you're Mississippi and you're black. That's a different kind of wizard there. Wow, anti-Klan joke. Nobody over there, really. There's a meeting going on tonight. My Latino brothers, follow me. We'll make a break for it. And you know, there's a lot of times when you have white people in the room, they will not laugh at that joke. And it's not because you're racist or in the Klan. I know why. Okay, first off, it goes by kind of quick, kind of a weird way. And you get stuck in that last little part going, what did he just mean by that? I realize the bald head, the white skin, not helping anything. I realize. My favorite, you get the eye twitch. So that's my favorite, but the eyes will go back as they rattle backwards through the joke to come back forwards with the joke. I was like, he... Is he just... You're saying that Harry Potter... is a racist. I'm like, yes, I am. You ever watch the movies, Two Black Dudes in the Whole School? Both of them, horrible at magic. Not a single teacher in that school is black. What's Harry saying? Black people can't do magic? What about voodoo, Harry Potter? You ever heard of that? Hmm? Look it up. What about 50 Cent? He had like the magic stick or something, right? That's a rap song, Honkies. We'll get you a copy, don't worry. What about Magic Johnson, Harry Potter? It's in his name! And that guy's had AIDS for what, like 45 years now? abra ka dabra Harry Potter. Hey, thank you guys for letting me hang out, man. So we're back after another break. Of course, Matt and I talked. He talked about, about smoking for 30 minutes, and I'm sitting here going like, come on, man, you can't bring up the joy of cigarettes. You're outside smoking. I didn't even join you outside. You don't. Nope, you pulled it. You pulled a Niall Sagan. Niall Sagan will not go. Like if I, we're in a club and I'm like, I'm gonna go smoke. Come outside. And he'll be like, No, I will not watch you smoke. Is that? Oh, really? I don't yeah, care. I have to put up that. I have to put up with that when we go get coffee. And I have to watch you smoke. I'm not gonna watch you smoke. No, he will not. He will not do it. <laughs> and I even say that. Come watch me smoke. And he's like, <laughs> no. no, I will not do it. He, my part. he will not support my behavior. I have no issue. I don't give a fuck where you're. Wow. Wow. I remember you having a so cigarette much, outside so Montreal. So much for your karma. What? <laughs> Agent Orange is a motherfucker. What some chick is fucking hacking up a lot. <laughs> You've said some of the funniest throwaway fucking things that I can remember. Just and I laughed in reaction so yeah. hard that night. Just some some homeless girl. <laughs> Agent Orange is a motherfucker. <laughs> I'm an awful person inside. My no, head. but it's it's funny stuff, and and on all fairness, she probably couldn't understand it. Um, <laughs> we've had some fun when we were in, yeah when we were in Montreal. That's where you showed me Scrivener. But at the same time, we were walking down the street. And I actually told somebody this story like two days ago when I was driving them because of the bald head. Was we uh, oh, we yeah. got asked if we wanted to fucking do a, a survey for fifty dollar gift certificates at the uh, winter clothing store. Yeah, and I I like an idiot actually answered their questions seriously <laughs> yeah. you put all sorts of goofy shit on there it was for the store like arcteryx which was way too much floor space versus how much you know inventory it's seven they actually items had they were all like a thousand dollars we bought toques yeah. and they were uh, like apple like, stores would would be considered like hoarders yeah places compared to how much shit was in there it's a 60 dollar hat 50 dollar yeah toque so <laughs> it was great though i mean it it, it was strong yeah yeah, well, fuck, thank God it was free. I mean, we had nothing better to do than to take an hour-long survey for free tukes. Because weren't we walking long. down the street because you were looking for one anyways? Yeah. You're like, I need a hat, and then just that just fell into our lap. Because I don't have any hair. 
Hats or haircuts for me at this point in my life. <laughs> if I get a new hat, it's new like, style. Oh, I got a new style. I got a new look. You do you still have that hat? I think you were saying you. you I don't know where it is. Really? Sorry. You're a minimalist now, right? Some pop culture. Is that a bullshit. pop culture thing? Yeah. Minimalism. Is that pop psychology? No, that's a trend. But uh, uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, yeah, Matt was telling me that my my Deepak Chopra shit was like pop psychology. I was just annoyed. Yeah. I'm annoyed by Deepak Chopra. It's the spiritualism end, and it's a lot of you know correlation stuff. He does a lot of books and things that are you know more sp- like spurious correlation. Like these correlations are interesting. Let's explore it. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, right? But it's you know he draws some conclusions that I'm like that's not really. Well, for me, the idea that like there are multiple, like I said, I've, I've only I've only read like the half point of, of view the book. stuff. I agree with, but yeah, like there's different points he, of view, so you don't have to make some... someone else feel wrong. Like I I listen to that, I'm like that makes sense. I yeah. don't need to be and, right well, so much that that someone else feels like shit. Right, but that's it. so like if you take the the postmodernist stance, right, and you take a, a a postmodernist deconstructionist view, and you get the you know there are multiple points of view, and all points of views are equally valid, right? Right, and I go no. Because if your point of view is that we should make ice cream out of people, your point of view is wrong. It's fucking wrong, man. We should not do that. That's a terrible idea. You know what? I I, I knee-jerk agree, and then I go, you know what? Rush hour is really long. <laughs> Rush hour is really long, and we have cattle that would be... <laughs> we don't need to make new cows, right? I'm not... I'm not saying I, I, I actually think that, but know. you know what? I know what you mean. I bet you under the right circumstances with the right person helming that argument, I'm like, all right, I could see where you might have a point. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I understand where it- Like it, NASCAR. I understand where that where that <laughs> argument comes from. That's all I'm saying. The, the multiple point of view thing. Uh, some of that comes from the inability to have an objective point of view, like this idea that we have, there's an objective truth to be had, right? Uh, in societal terms, I know you can go back to at least uh, uh, Franz Fanon talking about colonialism, right? I hate you so much. And names, I don't know. I, isn't it great? Uh, that's, you can go it's, to uh, Franz. Dude, I at the end of this podcast, you could literally just, you could be this. like, you know what? I've made up 90% of these names. I have. I've made up all these names. These are all fake. Uh, it's not fair that you... you you abuse my trust in your knowledge. <laughs> I, you know, you can do this with anything. You can just start naming baristas. Well, it's like Sally Barista said. It's like Skylar uh, Skylar. Thompson Always said. slow drip. The, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't make it. Um, it, it just points of reference, right? Right, of it's course. Just offloading, offloading the responsibility of the posturing, thing I'm going to say. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's posturing. It's, uh, Matt's just definitely asserting his dick dominance. Of, you have a, a bigger mental cock than I do. I get it. You know, my library, I have a library card in um, several cities. <laughs> I, 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 I hate to brag. Card. I hate to brag. Uh, you know, some people bring up their credit score. We're environmentally friendly. We don't have the plastic here. We don't have the plastic yeah, here. We're a little uh, more on trend than you We're are. a little bit better. We're better. Slightly better. Slightly better than you. Uh, <laughs> some dude whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, his, his he, he points out with, uh, he, or he makes the argument. I say the name say. again, just to make sure you're not making that. I, I want to say Franz Fanon, if I'm saying it correctly. F-A-N-O-N. Um, he, uh, and I could be wrong. Um, I, I get names wrong constantly because I get them just from reading. And like, I never hear anyone say it. And then oh, okay. You were talking about the pronunciation, uh, not yeah. so much the actual name, but just whether you're pronouncing Yeah, I can see the name, but yeah. who knows? Who knows? For me, I'm like, I can't remember if it was... You know, this person or that person. I'll actually oh, okay. not be certain of the source. When you did, when you never know, always pick a like a ridiculous person and just describe things to them. That's always fun. Yeah, the right? best person to have the human rights. It was uh, Bill Cosby who said, <laughs> "What? 
There's a lot of people who have famous people's names who are not like, did you know like one of the biggest world authorities on whiskey is named Michael Jackson? No, I didn't know that. He's dead now. Which one? Both. Oh. <laughs> Both. But it's just funny because yeah, it's like it's like I have this book. It was like it was like World Whiskey by Michael Jackson. I was like, I don't know if I would want that. So there's always it's what's funny. weird is he wore the glove. He the same guy. He, he also wore the, wore the, he also wore he the glove. He actually stole it from yeah, uh, the other from way the around. Other Michael Jackson. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He didn't want to get his fingerprints on the glass and <laughs> tainted the fucking Yeah. That's where right? it comes from. It's, it's like when you touch whiskey. a halogen bulb, it's going to fuck shit up somehow. Uh, I'm going to take your word on that. I don't I appreciate touch it. bulbs. Thank you for the trust. Uh, what were we talking about? Objectivity. So I guess the objective, <laughs> the objective point of view in a social sense, right? What is right and what is good in the society is just the view of the ruling authority, right? That's what the objective view is. And the subjective view that, that Fanon is arguing about is the fact that you know you have these voices in the society that have no they're already dismissed because they're not they're 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 asked to capitulate to 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 conform to the objective view which is in this case the colonial powers view of what a civil society is so anything that's not part of the civil society no matter how long it's been around no matter what the reasons is less than Mm -hmm. right so when you realize that that's just a subjective view right of that group and not some and not a holistic view Right. That is taken into account all views, and then from that derives some some objective good, right? You get this multitudinous concept of subjectivities, right? So all subjectives are equal in the sense that they should all be weighed. They're not equal in the sense that they are all right, right? And we we take that often to mean like, well, everyone has a point of view, and they should be listened to, and they should be considered. Yes, and then they should also be judged and dismissed if they're insane. Because sometimes your personal subjective point of view, I can give it credence, right? We can create you know, the origin of the term safe space, which is from education. Right. The origin is that uh, you know, we let this person in the class who doesn't understand the subject matter or has some point of view on the subject matter speak without judgment or- deriding them yeah. and then walk them down the line of the argument to understand how they arrived at that point of view and why they have that point of view and does this way or change or whatever. It does not mean that their view of the thing is correct. Right. You can have a subjective point of view that is incorrect. You can want to make ice cream out of people and you're fucking wrong. Right. I feel like it's like the, the customer is always right kind of thing. And, and people misunderstand what that means. So as a small example, customer's always right doesn't mean that what they're saying is always correct. It's the idea that the customer always has the right to feel validated or, or important. So the idea is like you come in and the customer's like, hey, just I wanted to say going forward, I think they use too much salt on, on whatever it is, restaurant, maybe small example. But the idea is that you can go, no, okay, so no, for no, you. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is definitely not a, a customer's always, but, but to say no problem, I'll make sure I let them know, thank you so much for the feedback. They can turn around and say absolutely nothing, but at least in that moment, you made the customer feel validated in what they were saying. They felt important. Their feelings felt validated. Like that's what the Treated customer is always, exactly. Yeah. That's what the customer is always right. It doesn't mean that what they're saying is correct and you need to say, you're absolutely right. Well, let's do that on you. It's just the idea that everyone has felt respected or whatever. And it's the same with the, the safe spaces. You almost want to take, okay, like you go ahead, you feel the, the comfort to be able to say what's on your mind or whatever it is. And then if it's quote unquote incorrect or whatever, then we walk it down. Like that's the thing is I always want to hear. If someone, that's if the origin. That's not what it's become. It's fascinating what it's become. Right. Oh, what it's God, become it's is I shouldn't stupid. have to hear anything that that I feel is an attack. Right. And, and that's not, and it's, that's the thing is what I feel is an attack. You right. know what I mean? Like and it's, it's like, not so that. It's I that, have to be accountable for your response. And that's another thing that I've been learned too is that you're not responsible for anybody else's feelings. 
You can feel however you want. Again, that comes from the multiple perspectives. As I say one thing and you've interpreted it something different, that's not on me. I'll say if let me know what you've understood. You think you think it is? No, I'm I'm just I'm listening and processing. Okay, okay yeah. So because because my thoughts are like if I say something, right? It's like, it happens mostly in relationships. A lot of this stuff comes from being in a relationship and trying to convey something and have that person receive it the way you're trying to convey it, right? Which is difficult. It's not it's not it's a very difficult thing, especially in relationships when everyone brings their insecurities and, and shit like that. And they're there. Is this what's leading you to, to read like yeah the stuff now? Well, what's what, it was, sorry, it was the catalyst. It was okay. the catalyst for it. You, but what I'm saying is to... I'm more and more fascinated by the whole concept that. You know, like, because people said for years, it's like, uh, something I I grew up and I didn't understand is like, you know, you can't love anybody else until you love yourself. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Of course I can, I can like this person and not like myself, but it's like, well, no, but if you don't value, again, that's one of those things. There's a lot of like fun little cliches that people throw around everyone nods and feels good. And they post it on their fucking Instagram and then they go about their day, but to, to understand. And I didn't understand it for the longest time. I'm like, I don't get that. I, there's lots of people that I care for that don't care for myself in order to properly be able to be in a relationship and care for someone, you have to respect yourself because if you don't, then you bring shit into the relationship like insecurities and, right. and things like that. And, uh, so The communication, and you're talking about semiotics, so the the inability to, to that's the field that studies that, so the, the, the in communication. So you have, you know, speaker, listener, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, oh shit, uh, signaler and signified, right, which you may come across those terms in psychology as well. But it's... Uh, I'm just trying to catch up, man. No, but like if I like I speak, right? Right. And I know I'm speaking to uh, someone that speaks English, so we can use the middle, the middle ground between our thoughts of English, right, mm-hmm. to communicate these things, and we can work within a level of English, right? So all of your jokes when you're going, you're bringing up references or words I don't know or whatever. You're you're actually you're you're making jokes about it, but you're you're bringing you're you're narrowing the field of English that we can use for the communication, right? Right. Yeah. Um, in the same way that we do that with a speciality of vocabulary, if you're talking to someone about, uh, uh, you know, electrical engineering, or you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, certain occupational or fields of study, words have a specific connotation in those fields, mm-hmm. right? And you can use the speciality of vocabulary in those fields to, you know, have faster conversations, right? You don't right. have to explain all this bullshit. You right. can just drop this word, that word, whatever. So. In a one-to-one conversation, we have two people, and you, you know, we have this tertiary thing in the middle mm-hmm. that we're using, right? But we both have a thought. You have a reaction to the thought or a new thought to add, right? In this back and forth of, right. of uh, signaler and signified and, you know, speaker, listener, and the, that becomes speaker, and then um, the shift again. Go ahead. Oh, dear. Just letting Colin know that okay. we're, we're doing this here. When you have that uh, back and forth, you the concept of noise comes in here right right so the concept of noise uh is what you've heard you've heard the term cut through the noise right Mm -hmm. you've heard that this is marketing uh jingoism almost right you have to get a message that cuts through the noise well this comes from semiotics and the idea of cutting through the noise the noise is all the things that you bring to an interaction all the things that you bring to communication right now under the more you understand about the other person the target demographic and marketing right right uh, or just the the person you're you're in a relationship with. The more you understand about them, the more you can position your message to cut through the noise, the baggage that they bring, the um, uh, uh, presuppositions they may hold, right? And you can deliver that message. So you may know that if you say to someone you're dating, uh, you can use just like a word and say it the wrong way, and they lose their shit. You know, like uh, they say something that you think. Um, 
shit. I'm trying to think of a good example. I can think of a good example. Um, you know, you're being like your mother, right? You know, as a backhanded whatever. Right. But you could say that in a and not mean that in a backhanded way. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know that's how that's <laughs> going to be taken, right? So you phrase it differently. Right, in the same way that you phrase things differently, if you are, uh, uh, you know, the manager of a club or something, mm-hmm. and you're talking to the wait staff, and you're trying to motivate the wait staff for sales and these kind of types of things, you you can phrase it based on their motivation, which is to make money selling yep. drinks, and you can phrase it differently to the comic on stage who has a different motivation. Right, you can take all these things into account and have the same message delivered differently to people, and you're playing that game of trying to cut through the personal noise that someone brings to. The conversation, right? I find professional conversation is 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 added noise. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like the way people speak now. It seems so sterile and diluted. Like what when do you people mean? are speaking, just the the wording. Like I mean, I I'd struggle to come up with an example right now. In like terms the of buzzword like, stuff. Just just um. Well, our our position on this particular thing is blah blah blah. It's like I feel like you well, we, we people speak a... people speak uh more and say less. I well, the, feel it's do you mean, do you politicians mean like, as well. They'll say a bunch of things and you're like, there was no response in that. That was just a bunch of talking in a circle that really led nowhere. You know, they're using a lot of big, you know, terms and things like that that I understand. Well, the, but it's just you but at the end of the day you put it all together and and define it. It's like that you just didn't say anything. You just walked right around to where you started. You see it like in business meetings where people will drop, you know, well, I mean, we're working in silos right now. What we really need is an interdepartmental communication structure that right. facilitates everyone's point of view to be yeah. weighed in before we, we need to fucking communicate better. The, yeah, that's right. What, but that's well, what I'm saying. They speak more and and it, and I think that the more people use that that type of language It's an adherence the, test. Well, not only that, but it's so much more open to interpretation. And so if you're trying to communicate something, you've done an inferior job of that because now you've left so much open to to interpretation as opposed to just, okay, so what do you mean by that? No, they're trying to show group belonging. So I can memorize the the terms of the speciality vocabulary Mm -hmm. and we can drop all the terms and it looks like I fit in the group. Sure. Even without understanding what any of it means. And then we can end up in a pander box where everyone's sitting around, you know, like in a cartoonish, you know, puppety type way. We're all just saying, you know, silos and this and whatever yeah, the new term is. Yeah, but when they're addressing is, the public, that's not part of your group. But the idea is it's just, I feel like it's people trying to leave backdoor exits and into conversation. Like I find that people are looking for the subtext because what you just said doesn't really say a whole lot on its own. You have to know, like you said, be a part of the group, whatever. But at the same time, you have to know the subtext of what they're saying. You know, maybe there's maybe subtext isn't the right word, but the idea is that they're trying to communicate something. You know that those words alone, you have to kind of know everything underneath all of them, not their meaning, but just when it's used like this, then it, well, kind of in a corporate environment, it means, and that's what I'm saying is like, you're basically, rather than being direct, and I feel like being direct, not blunt, but being direct is uh, the true, is, is a very true form of honesty, one of. If you're direct with someone, then it's honest. Um, nah, maybe not, maybe a bad example. I mean, only in the sense that when you're when you're being honest and direct, it's a lot harder to be like, "Oh, you misunderstood what I said." Because like, no, I was I was direct. I told you what I need, Matt. I need you to stop smoke, blowing smoke in my face, uh, Matt. See, I, f- I find that when you're when you're doing your exhales in the vicinity of everyone, it's a very communal space. Like, just like like, hey, dude, I right. need you to, I need you to stop blowing the smoke in my face. It's not I'm not being rude. I'm just I'm asking for what I need. I'm being honest. I'm being direct. And I'm saying that that people are are getting less and less. Um, I guess there's even better ways of being direct than, than bluntness, but just the, people are not as direct. The language I find is diluted. It's, it's, uh, it feels even very disingenuous the way people speak in, in a, in a professional environment or whatever it is. And I get that it has to be sort of accessible. I think that the, 
I don't know. I got so many fucking opinions and we don't have enough time for me to talk about everything I hate. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I, I find that there's so much bullshit, man. So much sterile. Sure. I enjoy this conversation just despite the fact that there's there's an intellectualism to it. Maybe that's the wrong word too because I'm not fucking intellectual. All I know is that I'm fascinated by the idea of being open and looking at things from different different angles, whatever. I just find that the 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 like you were saying that language and because in communication it is it's that thing in the middle of you and mm-hmm. you have to learn how to basically uh, work and adapt to the the barrier the the, the space between people whatever and I I just find I, I'm very fascinated by communication um, I have always been someone when I was younger I had uh, I don't know if it was a learning disability or what but I've always not found it uh, easy to just you know understand what everyone else understands I, I question everything and I, I if the more direct for me the better so I've always been a more direct person. Um, directness works with I mean it works with some things you tell somebody you know stop smoking stop stop or, blowing smoke yeah, in my face example, right yeah, yeah. Um, and I understand like you, you get into more complicated concepts and you start going like can you say this directly to me but some of them know like if you're, no, if you're I, talking in abstracts and stuff there's a there's a reason it's not direct and I'm but, fine with that if the nature of the conversation goes that way I just mean that for me I was always someone who's like the more you're trying to be diluted and like I said it feels like you you leave yourself open to many back doors to get out of something that you've said do you know what I mean I, I think it I mean, there are techniques of that you know, there yeah. are techniques in debate and things like that and, yeah. you know posturing and, and, and you know, safe harboring something right because people will say something question. they want you to feel that response that passive aggressive thing and then they want their back door that they can step in. No, no 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 you still you still felt that pain or hurt of what they said to you right but now but they don't have to be accountable for what they said and they don't have to well that's them. that's playing the 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 text subtext uh, right uh, literal figurative within a communication right right, right. um so I say to you, uh, it's great to see you, right? I can say that in a way mm-hmm. with body language and other things like that. That means go fuck yourself, yeah. right? Um, and you can pick up on that. Mm-hmm. And then you can complain that I was a dick to you. And then I can go, you can I, argue, just said, I just said, it's great to see you. It's yeah. great to see you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the way he said it. You hear that said, right? Yeah. And you're stuck in that, that end of the text and the subtext, right? The literal figurative combination of the use of communication yeah. and it's because we have you have thought and then you have to translate thought to a delivery mechanism beginning mm-hmm. with language and other things yeah. and then you are setting that up to be received which is where you have the problems of noise and then you have retranslation right uh and then you have response right in the flow of a communication and i could literally do an entire thing just on this i mean it's oh it's fascinating shit. shit yeah it's so insane but the like when i when i'm doing shows in other countries where i have an audience that is, english is their second language right there's there's certain vocabulary limitations there are certain uh reference limitations and whatever and what you start to realize is that there are a lot of things that are in the structure that are something something reference right and this right. is where the laugh is supposed to come uh and the best example is a pun so a pun you can't translate you can't translate a pun because all a pun requires is that we both adhere to the same depth of vocabulary to understand the juxtaposition and why those two things are funny being said that way together mm-hmm. uh you translate that from english to french or to mandarin and it's gone it's just gone yeah. it would take a paragraph to explain it and it's no longer entertaining or funny at all right and the reason is is because nothing's actually being said with a pun there's nothing actually to communicate. We are dealing completely inside of that tertiary thing that we've agreed to communicate with. Mm-hmm. And we're basically playing a game of an adherence test showing that we both understand the language at the same level. And that's where the humor can take place. Now, remove this from just talking about language and make this about cultural reference. 
right? Um, we can play the same game with having similar experience, right? So uh, two white guys that grew up in Wisconsin uh, make a racist joke that they both find funny, and they both find funny because they have similar backgrounds, similar experience, whatever, right? And they believe certain similar things, and they can find that funny. You remove them from that context to a larger context, right? A more diverse context, and it starts to fall apart. It's no longer right. funny. It's offensive. It's whatever, right? Right. Um, do the same thing with pop culture references. If your joke is something, something Beyonce, and that's supposed to be the funny part, right? Yeah. And you go to Spain or somewhere, and they don't know who the hell Beyonce is because they have their own entire pop culture system in Spanish. Uh, it doesn't work. Right, mm -hmm. um, you can. It's not relatable if it's and, not understood. And the reason it doesn't work is because again, nothing is being communicated. Mm -hmm. Now, if you, if material-wise, if what you're trying to communicate is what's funny, and you must find the words to do it in English or while performing or whatever, then you can take that concept and you can translate that to Spanish or to Mandarin or to a lower level of vocabulary. You know, in English is a second language level of vo right. vocabulary. Um, and you can make it work and it will still work. So you know, when I was doing the, the project the other year, where I did the 13 months and 30 countries and whatever, um, the hundred and something uh, shows and whatever that, right? That's what I was, I'm writing that hour. That's what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with like this, this is a funny thing, but if I do this in the Netherlands, you know, they don't know what T-ball is, right? right? So am I really dependent on T-ball as yeah. the funny thing here? Yeah. And if I am, then I'm I'm just making a joke that's essentially no different than a pun. It's a it's a pander of reference knowledge. Right. I'm not actually communicating. You were the one anything. who told me that. Is that essentially all forms of of was it all forms of communication or something or essentially pandering or something like that? Well, how how was it? How did you a, phrase it? I uh, I don't know. I don't know what I said. I don't know what you're talking to me about. But sorry, the, well, you're saying that basically to try to communicate anything is to pander or whatever. Something it, it like that. It can be. It can be. Okay. When you're playing this game of a, of an adherence test thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, I, my argument is that you don't have to do that. My argument is that you can communicate something that's more important, and you can make it funny, or you can make it whatever. Mm -hmm. Right? You could do. You could uh, uh, communicate it in other forms other than telling jokes, obviously. Right. And it can be translated. But only if there's something to be communicated. And that's where what is funny to you has to be, if that is your goal, to mm -hmm. make it something that is uh, universally communicable yeah. across yeah. some other thing. So, uh, <clears throat> like when I do the joke about, you know, not knowing languages and going in and I'm pointing in the store and it's silly and it's, you know, like uh, instead of learning, uh -huh. instead, yeah. yeah, that whole thing, yeah. right? Doing that instead of actually learning Cantonese to ask for something in the store. Yeah. Like that can be universally funny, and I can do that with so few English words. I can do it to an audience that doesn't really understand a lot of English. Mostly just pantomime. Uh, it mostly is. Yeah. But even when I start talking about uh, you know the uh, cultures and people adhering to cultures and how I think it's silly and how they should be mixed together and all that, when I'm doing all that heavier stuff, it still works. But I have to to avoid certain things. Like I. If I say, you know, I don't understand homogeneous, you know, homogeneous societies, right? I prefer something that's more heterogeneous. I have to give the definition of those words, not because um, the audience is, is dumb, but a lot of times it's because the audience doesn't know those words because if they were going to read anything that discussed homogeneity or heterogeneity, they would just, they would have read it in their native language. They're not going to read that in English. Right. So 
you have to be like, I don't like when things are all the same, you know, homogeneity is not something I like. And you do it very quickly like that, and then it escalates forward, and then you don't have to remove that, you know, word, um, um, you know, from and the you just bit. taught them something. And you just, everybody's <laughs> learning together. Uh, but I find that fascinating, and we take that back to the semiotics argument. We're talking about two speakers, you know, or one-to-many or one-to-one, you know, in a speaking thing, and you start looking at how... Um, we often say something and then someone's like, what the fuck? Why would you? And you're like, I didn't mean it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And you start realizing that, you know, what they bring to this, whatever the issue is, whatever the, we are past language. Right. So we're at, you know, reference level, emotional level, point of view, whatever. And it's the lack of considering the listener that the speaker makes the mistake of. Right. But then the listener often makes the mistake of a lack of consideration of the motivation of the speaker. So we start reacting just in that box because we are using language not to communicate. We're using it to not have to communicate. So you walk into a store and you go, give me a pack of cigarettes. And then you leave. And you wouldn't recognize that dude if you saw him 20 minutes later on the corner magically. right? Okay. You wouldn't even realize that. Because you didn't pay any attention to him as a person. But if you remove language and you have to walk in and make eye contact and do this pantomime gesturing game to get your pack of cigarettes, and you saw that person an hour later, you'd be like, hey, that's the, that's you made the a, dude a from the store. deeper connection kind of thing. Because you had to, to yeah. do this dance, right? Right. But we often do that. We carry that over uh, from what makes things easy for society to run, to having the, a language that's agreed upon, and we go about our day, and you know, things are in this language. While that helps us, we also end up falling into that trap where on a one-to-one communication, we can talk and essentially not process anything. Mm. We're not even actually thinking. We're not, we're not taking what someone's saying, processing it, and reacting. We're literally taking the words, and we're focusing pedantically on the words, and then we're reacting to that. So you say, uh, uh, or I, I say, well, Josh, you know, you're a fat guy. And you're like, <laughs> hey, man, fuck you, dude. This is how you're going to tell me? <laughs> Right, you're like, hey, fuck you. How dare you? Call? And like, I didn't mean anything by that. You're not considering my motivations. You're, you're focused on the word fat, mm-hmm. right? Now, I might be saying the most positive thing ever, and you can't hear it. Right? <laughs> I'd love to adapt that perspective. Like, I wish I was. A Josh, fat you're guy. a fat guy. I wish I was. Thank you. Thanks. I wish I was a fat guy. Right? right? I don't know. I don't you're know. Sure you're I don't a fat know chick like me in a painting years ago. What'd you just say? I said you wish you were a fat chick in the painting. That's when it was a good thing. Look at that fat fat chicks were hot. <laughs> were uh, <laughs> sorry. Well, somehow I'm trying to make this point. No, I get and no, and I and I, and I, I love it. And I think too because I've tried to explain to people for years. It's like why is it that your buddies can give you shit and rip on you? You know what I mean? It's like hey, for starters, simplicity. We know that their their motivation is not to hurt. That's right. why a stranger comes up to you. Hey, you're fat, right? Because there's no connection with the kind of person. Just just how could you fucking say that? Right. But but like you said, there's a deeper connection amongst friends. That goes beyond just the words. You're itself. able to understand so you, the motivation, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that makes that makes perfect sense. That's a much better way because I used to just tell people, like, why is it okay when your friends insult you? Generally, not just myself. And it's like it's because we know their motivation. They're well, not, they're not my, trying to hurt you. Right. In fact, even in this moment, their motivation is to get that response, and I'm not giving it, motherfucker. Right. You're not getting. Well, it. my 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 ex would uh, get worked up about whatever, and she'd yell right? <laughs> about she'd, whatever. I was who listening. Knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? No way to know. Uh, no, she would yell, right? She'd get mad. And she's mad about something. She'd get frustrated and she would just like, you know, just vomit out just this motherfucker. I can't believe this fucking. And people would be fascinated that we're hanging out and she's just screaming in my ear, just mad, the curse words, whatever. And I'm like, okay, all right. So which one? Okay, I got it. <laughs> Jane's a bitch? Cool. Good to know, 
right? And they're like, dude, how do you fucking deal? I'm like, oh, she's not mad at me. I'm, why would I react at all? Yeah. She's not, she just wants to get ang- frustration out. Yeah. But I have friends that I've watched go through that where they're yelling and like, why are you so mad? And so, yeah. dude, why are you reacting? It's not targeted to you. It's a venting. It's a, it's a letting out. But that's, and that's what, you know, like I said, in terms of all the stuff I'm reading, it's like, because before it's like not knowing, right? Understanding a lot of peace comes through understanding. You understand that. And that gives you a much better resolve to just, oh, now, now I know what to do. I don't give a shit. Anybody yelling at me is hilarious. I don't care. Well, yeah. I mean, and I've talked in the podcast, anger, <laughs> anger comes from fear. So when someone's yelling, you used to be like, oh, what the fuck? And you, you meet, meet hostility with hostility. I'm like, now now all anger to me is fear. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to be afraid. Do you hug it out? No. Because that's the thing, too. You make somebody more afraid of you're like, what are you so afraid of? Now they're afraid that they look like a bitch on top of being angry or whatever. We talk about afraid. Anyways, uh, I just think it's, it's, uh, the more you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just the more did. you we know. We both just did the, uh, but I love the, the star uh, <laughs> across the sky when he said <laughs> With our hands. Yeah. But, uh, We're good I, at radio. I find that stuff fascinating. You know what I mean? It's like I said, it's just understanding the communication. I would, I would infinitely rather someone yell at me than to say nothing. Because at least you're giving me data to process when you're yelling. I can understand maybe sort of where so your head's saying at. nothing is saying something, though, isn't it? Yeah, of course oh. it is. But it's saying infinitely less than when you're... Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> We're the two-hour mark. Did you just drop your phone? I just dropped my phone. It's okay. It's like, I didn't even know you had one. I have you one. to change SIM cards? Like, do you have like a fucking dossier of like SIM that. cards all over the world? That. Okay, that's the one thing. Yeah, we don't talk about my SIM cards. <laughs> that's out of bounds, man. So uh, you're a comedian. Uh, <laughs> I just Which say, you wouldn't I know, be able to know. You I know that we're at like the two-hour mark. Should so. I say something funny at some point? No, I, th- I think the conversation's been good. I Listen, at the end of the day, I wanted to have you on the show because I find you fascinating and funny and all that stuff, and I hope that that is translated to uh, the listeners. Um, this episode won't come out in time for them to hear that you're at Absolute Comedy Good, so I'll have, I will have escaped. Yeah, so as as everyone, if anyone's listening, you know, I got my regular listeners, so we're recording this the day that K-Trev's uh, interview comes out. So they're listening to K-Trevor. Well, uh, you and I are uh, shooting the shit. Katrev? Katrev. <laughs> I call him Katrev. He didn't like it. There, really? There was a, he was doing a roast battle and somebody says they call him K Trevor Wilson because he weighs as much as a thousand Trevs. <laughs> is it a thousand? No, K M is a thousand, right? Okay. So what? What? Well, why was M M the year 2000? Don't worry about it. It's Roman. Oh, well, what's K? That's. Oh, uh, like when someone says like, yeah, I made a, a yeah, 11 K is 11,000. So yeah. Fuck. Kilometer. You. I guess. No, but you say for money. Kilo. Kilo is 11, 12. Or 11, kilo is the, the preface for a thousand. I want to find something you don't know more than me on. Video games. Board games. You got me beating board no, games. I don't know what the not, fuck you had me playing. You know what? You had fun and you made that. You you would not think that you playing those games know as much as you do. Like this turning tile so <laughs> lovely. And then you went to play ping pong. You regressed after that no. game. Pinball. Pinball. Fuck. Whatever. I didn't regress. I won. I won like forty bucks. Yeah, Jay has a gambling problem. It's great. He never wins. <laughs> I don't know. It's so great. He's I love not it. Good at it at all. I know he won. I we're playing the the, the lamest game is like cards and dice, and I won sixty dollars off of him. And it's like he's right there. And it wasn't like one game for sixty bucks. It was like literally, I think twelve games at five bucks a piece. And I just he lost every game over and over and over and over again. Like you'd think that you'd start to learn that you're not good at something. Jay is not good at gambling, um, but yeah. So you're you're at absolutely. What's you got a couple albums available? Are your albums available? <sighs> I don't like any of them. Shut up. Nobody likes anything to do. But you you've got some albums out, right? Let's get let's get some downloads. Are they on iTunes? 
They I don't be. know. <sighs> You're so ass. frustrated. No, I'm just going to type your fucking name and I'll get it myself. You don't want to help me, I'll get it. Right I mean, they might be out there, but I don't know. Uh, you really don't know if your shit. No, because I pulled a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm going to find your stupid face. A, I'm working on a new one. You don't have one called The Toasters, right? No, that's a band. Uh-huh. It has the song. They have the song uh, "Secret Agent" Matt Davis, which does not help the fact, you know, that I've never see. I've never worked for the CIA. So you don't people cannot necessarily get that. your shit. It might be on iTunes. I don't know. I'm not seeing any. Oh, there it is, Matt Davis, bootlegged. Yeah, there's probably some of those. There's one from kids. One from Canada in there. Bootlegged Volume Three. Bootlegged Volume Two. The point is, is you got albums called bootlegged, and I see them right here on Apple Music. So thanks for not fucking helping me, assface. I'm gonna pull those down. Uh, then fucking pull them down. You guys have very limited time to get Matt Davis's fucking stuff, but it's it's great there. Uh, you're here for the rest of the weekend. Always love having you. Uh, what what can can we point people in the direction of something of you? Not right now, no. No, I know it's fucked up, isn't it? I don't have it either. I have this podcast. That's about it. And I probably we're gonna lose some people over this one. I don't you even think remember. So? I, you no, think this is bad? no, I think it's great, but I I I have very unpopular opinions. So I think I think this was great. This this basically underlines exactly why I want to have you on. I like having the good conversation. I like having stuff that stimulates thought, as opposed to being like, I don't know, people pull their fan, phone, do a, a selfie. I'm being vigilant. My, my my listeners are wicked people. They wicked, wicked, wicked people. Yeah, because they listen. They're to me. wicked. Yeah, I I don't. They're very patient. They're very understanding. <laughs> uh, but they, uh, Jason's doing what Jason does, which is to grab his penis and give us the finger. No, that's for that's when Colin you present like that. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, that's just the fucking wacky orphanage that we live in. A bunch of fucking weirdos. We've we've had like three different comics in the last hour just come and go from the house. I don't understand. We were that. saying that this is you got a government. Are you program. here to make coffee? Are you here to make coffee? No, yeah, make yeah. He's mad because I slapped him the other night. You slapped him? Not really, but I did that that whole hand up and slap in his uh, face. Uh, he thought he was gonna get slapped. Yeah, he's he lives in terror all the time. Jason's very skitterish, skittish, skittish. I like skitterish, but skitterish. I make up words because I'm not that smart. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, I, I it's always great having. You. I think it, it illustrates the, the conversation of, of this types of conversations we have. I sit there, you say words I don't know, and I nod and I smile, and then I go, "Stop oh, trying oh, to shrink okay. the box. Stop trying to shrink the box." I'm not trying to shrink the box. box. I, listen, I, I understand a lot of what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you do it. Hey, you do it better than me. <laughs> No, I, I, here's the thing is I, I, I love conversations like this because at the end of the day, I, I do thirst. I'm open to new, new knowledge. I find that a lot of people, uh, it's not fair to say a lot of people. I find that I end up in a lot of conversations where people want you to hear what they think, but they're not open to, to you, you know, think that. Whereas I openly invite someone to, to give me some information that will challenge. I, I, I don't know if I said this in the podcast, but I was talking to a, uh, psychologist, not psychiatrist, but but not too long ago. The last year, I was talking to a psychologist who was like, um, "When she goes, when do you stop?" I think she was talking about like introverts and extroverts kind of mm-hmm. thing. But she's like uh, explaining how like an introvert will will you know have an argument and then they'll just go away for a day and then they'll process it and they'll come back and like here's where I stand on something. And she's like, "How long you know do you spend thinking about something before you're like this is what I think about it and that's just the way it is? Like you're just firm on your position." I go, "Never, I'm never firm on my position." Like. To me, concepts and, and things are always evolving. Like they're always open to new stuff, which makes it difficult to fucking take a stand sure. on things. It's but, hard, but it's but I like being open to it. As opposed to people who are like, you, like you said, you find your little community and your thing that you relate right. to. Right, but that's where it. like we talked, you know, earlier on. You know, uh, a lot of comics to me aren't interesting until they're in their forties. I think that's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. 
is a lot of the the self evolution and just the time of collecting information to arrive at anything even resembling an interesting point of view. Yeah, there's a lot to process, man. Yeah, and it's it's almost silly to think that you know at 25 you're gonna act like you have any answers at all. Yeah, like why are you talking? Yeah, that's my attitude a lot of times. Why is this person even talking? Well, that's the thing is I, and I don't I, think they can tell me, and that bothers me. Well, and I've noticed that too. Is that the older I get, the more I know, the quieter I am. I find that the people who know. God, I hope you. I who, hope you live to be a thousand. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? <laughs> Methuselah, fucking. <laughs> I want to be the. I want to hold the Guinness World Record for being the oldest living fat person. Just be like he made it to fifty two. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I find that the loudest people are the ones who know the least. Sure. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? People can't mm-hmm. wait for. Oh, look what I posturing to to an extent, but whatever, dude. I, uh, I think you're. I awesome. feel like you've been ending this podcast for the I'm last. I'm trying 10 minutes. to. I'm trying to. Well, it's all. I don't. You know what? I it's because I have to go do fucking grunt work that I don't want to do because I didn't finish high school like we started this conversation with only instead of reading fucking Faust and I know you never mentioned Faust but Aristotle and Plato well, and yeah, but Marcus those are, Aurelius but those and all are just stuff. like old fucking dead guys you know what I mean yeah you get, it doesn't get weird until you get like into Deleuze and Guattari then it starts getting like what the fuck's happening in my yeah, brain there you go. and that other guy and who then, was, uh, who was uh, Alexander was blocking his son what was his name again Diostes or something Diogenes Diogenes, he's Diogenes yeah but he, I he wouldn't mind reading any, more he doesn't have any books. You have to read quotes of him from other people. That's fine. It's like Mitch All Hedberg quotes. Gone. Yeah, it's like fifty percent of them aren't really his. They're just yeah. like this is some dope shit. Put his name on it. <clears throat> yeah, it's like that, right? Uh, I'd recommend Jacques Rancière to you. Okay, can you send it to me? Write it down because a lot of the things <laughs> I actually, when I was dating this chick uh, a while back, she used to. She was smart, but she used to say epitome all the time, and I was like, how do you know? How do you not know that that's epitome? So like you could say someone's name and then I'd be like, oh fuck, that didn't, I would never have thought to spell it like that. But she's like, it's honestly the epitome of, and I'm like, has no one, and she was good I looking. Like how, I like how she's using it, is she using it correctly? That's even better. She was using, yeah, yeah, she knew what epitome was. She was fucking But she you. was never, no, dude, she said it like over the course of like a month, I, she said like. I have a buddy who says it. hyperbole and I think he's just I doing it to fuck with me. Well, Brian Regan had the epitome of hyperbole. He said, you mispronounced every word in your show. If that isn't the epitome of hyperbole, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's, she would say it all the time and I was like, how, how the fuck do you not, like, and I never corrected her. And I assume that everyone else didn't correct her. Like, I'm kind of like, has no one told you? And then I'd never told her. But she was attractive and I... That's how religions start. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck Britain. America. That's history, I think. Another great Matt Davis joke. Why don't you tell your good jokes anymore? That's stupid. That's a hacky fucking comic to comic burn. I'm sorry. I just like the stuff. You angry on stage with a fucking three-piece suit. You sent a lot of mixed signals to human beings. Because you'd walk out looking absolutely gorgeous in your suits, fucking shiny shoots, suits and everything like that. And then you'd be like, let's try a tester joke. <laughs> and they would all, well, it's just basic juxtaposition of conflict, right? Yeah. I just thought it was hysterical. Dressed like a Jaguar salesman and talking to you like a guy from a dumpster. Yeah. Right? Spent a lot of time thinking about unicorn boners. Well, who hasn't? Right? I like <laughs> Anyways, dude, I uh, I appreciate you spending time. I can't. We're gonna spend the whole fucking weekend together, hanging out and stuff like that. But I uh, I have to go do. We will my, never see each other again. That would break my heart. Very sad. To not say, I I'm sure I'll see you again, but it'll be on some like fucking conflict video on CNN. <laughs> <laughs> Doing shows for a hunter in South America. 
He's just doing this fundraiser. These nice guys, these gorilla fellas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I, I, we could go on forever. I will definitely, next time you're in town, we'll actually have to talk about, you know, your whole stand-up career and everything, like not, not just the goddamn library that you've read. It'll just get worse. What's I'm going to spike this mic. Oh, are you? Fair enough. Well, Matt Davis. Are you playing music? Yeah, this is the outro, dude. But you, you might have to cut the mics. Oh. Thanks for talking with me. I hope you guys love this interview, Matt. Super wicked funny, dude. I Check apologize. him out. 